Ahsoka Tano's like tendrils mm-hmm. for whatever reason bother me. Okay. Like <laughs> I just like <laughs> like, just the way they looked. Yeah, that, does, that doesn't look as good as I hoped that it would. Well, the only other version we've have of Ahsoka Tano is a uh, uh, 3D. Uh, yeah, an animated. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's gonna look a bit different. But, but whenever you're looking like, at yeah, the, the way they the way they like come down over her shoulders and like the creases yeah, in yeah, them from the way about. they bend, I was yeah. like, Ugh. yeah, <laughs> like it doesn't. <laughs> It doesn't fucking. It is a bit jarring whenever you're first watching her and you see like the little ripples down her lakus. I'm just like, well, that looks weird. But it's also just skin. It's technically right. supposed to be skin, so it would. You look at your. It fucking, would have creases yeah. and stuff in it. I just like. It's like mm, no, I don't like it. Right. That being said, Ryan, let's get into our uh, sponsor, a partnership, if you will, with Newsly, and then let's get into this week's episode. Newsly is a news site aggregator where they read the news to you. So download the app at iOS or Android stores. Just type in Newsly or you go to newsly.me. They pull all the most trending topics. Basically, read the news to you in a nice, calm, even, not robotic voice like a Siri or Alexa. One of the biggest problems in this world is is that people only read the headlines and don't read the actual article. This uh, app will read the headline and the article to you. That way, you know, you're well informed about everything that's going on, whether it be politics, uh, which, by the way, things going on in Iran. I fucking love the women that are fucking protesting in Iran. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have my fucking heart. It's fucking brilliant what they're doing over there. Uh, you can stay up on uh, up to date on all that. Obviously, not just political news. It's sports, entertainment. It's entertainment. It's whatever news you want to find. Yes. You can find on Newsly. Yep. And have it read to you. And you can also have podcasts from over 40 countries. Uh, so this app can be your one-stop shop. Including for, this one. Including this one for podcasts and news articles. But if you want a more tailored experience, like whenever you start up the app, you can start up a free account and just go from there. But if you want a more tailored experience, uh, unlimited skips, things like that, you can start up a premium service. And while you're going through the whole setup of starting the premium service, they'll ask you for a promo code and you can use ours for one month free on us. And it's simply Nerdinian with the I's and O's replaced with ones and zeros. So it's simply N-E-R-D, the number one, the letter N, the number 10, and the letter N once more. Uh, just type all that in. You'll get one month of uh, the premium service for Newsly on us. Um, and anyway, if anything I fucking said is confusing at all, just uh, look at the show description for this episode. Everything's right there, so just cut, copy, paste, and go from there. Anyway. They live. I'm Greg Vance. And I'm Ryan Downing. And we are Nerdinian, and we go through each nerd movie scene by scene, beat by beat, and break it down for you. This week, we're going to talk about Mandalorian Season 2, so we're going to do more of a, like a broad uh, description of uh, everything that happens in each episode. But Season 2 is just as fucking fascinating, if not more, than Season 1. Uh, the only thing that I miss in Season 2 is that we don't have Werner Herzog yeah, yeah. saying, I would like to see, see the, the baby. baby. <laughs> uh, but th- this movie is also eight episodes, and I did uh, Not count Not a movie, it. TV show. Huh? Not a movie, TV show. TV show, yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I did count the number of hours that this season is. So it's okay. 5.7 hours, so about six hours worth mm-hmm. of viewing time. And uh, like uh, everything that happens in this season and what happens in Book of Boba Fett, all fucking fascinating.
Show me the one whose safety deemed such destruction. You must reunite it with its own kind. Where? This you must determine. The songs of eons past tell of battles between Mandalore the Great and an order of sorcerers called Jedi. You expect me to search the galaxy and deliver this creature to a race of enemy sorcerers? This is the way. Let's get into the cast for this movie. Uh, so show, show. God damn it! That's gonna be the thing in this episode. Is I'm gonna keep calling it a fucking movie. Uh, but this stars Pedro Pascal, uh, Giancarlo Esposito, uh, Esposito, yes. Gina Carano, Cara Weathers, Tamara Morrison, Katie Sackhoff, Rosario Dawson, Ming Na Wen, Bill Burr, Michael Bean, uh, Timothy Oliphant, Sasha Banks, Omid Abtahi. Uh, Amy Sedaris, John Leguizamo for like five minutes, uh, Emily Swallow, Paul Sun Hong Lee, I think that's how you pronounce his name, and uh, spoilers, if you haven't seen the end of this, uh, end of episode eight, Mark Hamill also makes an appearance in this movie. Well, His face kinda. does, yes. Uh, they do get uh, permission to use his face, because apparently they have yeah. to do that type of thing. Um, so technically, yes, Mark Hamill is in the movie, just not really in or in the show just not really in the show it's yeah, not he's not. from all reports he was on set to try to give like guidance to the performance right. actor but it wasn't him because yeah he's gained some weight and he's not that thin anymore so well he's not that thin <laughs> he's also not that young <laughs> yes like, he's um, aged considerably since you know 1970 <laughs> yeah so you can't really blame him for that because that was you know 50 fucking years ago yeah. so yeah. uh but yeah we'll get to that the uh mark hamill of it all luke skywalker because that's always fucking fun to watch every single time and whenever he comes into fucking uh, f- uh the whole th- what's happening at the end of that episode it's fucking fun to watch every single fucking time uh but this time around uh, what did you think of this season? I like it. I wish that there was a little bit more overarching story that tied everyone together more than just... You mean like the Mandalorians or... Yeah. Okay. So like, you know, you meet Bo-Katan mm-hmm. and, and uh, her squad. I forget mm-hmm. the other two's names. I think I wrote them down. Um, uh, Axe Wolf- Wolves? W-O-V-E-S, and Casca Reeves is yeah. the other two. It doesn't seem like they have the same... Well, I mean... So they have their own reasons for going to help. Like, it just... 
it seemed a little lazy because there was no like real convincing that had to be done to get anybody like uh like Gina Carano's she's like I don't know like I'm part of the new republic now so I have to you know follow the laws and stuff and he's like but would you break them for me and she's like you son of a bitch I'm in uh well we saw that and, in the first season and granted the that's... moment he mentions like I need to get to an imperial and there's rumors that fucking uh, Grand Moff is still alive yeah she's gonna be like all right I'm in and she doesn't really break him out. We see it in the next episode. She requests to have him brought out right. into her custody. She does it, but she says even then that she's like, "Well, I bent a lot of rules to make this happen." Yes, bent, not broke. Right, but it's just like I don't know. Like I just feel like there's like it would it, you need a little bit more convincing to to do it. But like I also understand that like. Everybody that looks at fucking Grogu is like, I would die for you. <laughs> <laughs> like, I will do whatever to whoever. I don't fucking care. <laughs> yes, everybody. And the moment they see that little fucking child, even the marshal of the first episode, he's like, look, I was w- ready to fight you. But the moment I saw that little one over there, I was thinking, I was like, maybe, maybe I got this wrong. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> These two seasons have been fucking fun to watch. Um... We'll get into this, uh, the last bit of the Skywalker saga in a few weeks, but obviously people have issues with that. I think the Mandalorian and uh, the season two of the Mandalorian has been those like type of uh, series that kind of bring everybody to fucking together. Where if you have issues you, with, you the- can't say that because there's people that were fucking super pissed that uh, Bo-Katan fucking takes off her helmet. Oh, really? Yeah, there was. I didn't know that. Even though she takes it off in numerous other series whenever we see her. Yeah, no, it's it's like a big fucking deal. And mm. I think part of it is just, it's a girl! Oh, uh-huh. yeah, that's possible. Which, and, it, I don't, obviously we'll get into that when we get to the episode. But the Bo-Katan character and obviously her ilk that are with her there take off their helmets at the ready. That was part of the uh, questions with the Mandalorian is that we've seen Mandalorians take off their helmets numerous fucking times. Right. And this Mandalorian does doesn't. not. And we find out why he's a particular cult member. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm interested to see how that's going to play out. But being that people are getting upset because uh, these Mandalorians took off their helmet and not, and they rather him have the helmet on. I'm like, that's cool for like a little bit. But I'd much rather see the actor's face. Like, it's cool to see him in the armor and kicking ass and shit. But whenever it comes down to more character stuff, I'd much rather see the actual character's face. See, I disagree to a point. Mm -hmm. I really like the way that they took off his helmet. Or, like, the reasonings behind why he took off his helmet. Because he decided that Grogu was more important to him than his creed. Mm Mm-hmm. Whenever it came to saving him to mm. begin with. Mm. And then it's just a touching character moment the second time. Yes. It is um, nice. But. So I like I like the fact that you don't see his face mm-hmm. for any other reason other than like him showing that it's going to be okay. I'm all right with the way they did that. Mm. Because I feel like if they would have had him just constantly taking it off the impact would have been far less. I'm not saying he has to constantly take it off. I'm just saying... Well, even if he removed it for another reason, like, it would have diminished 
but you the reasons that he took it off. But being that Pedro P- Pascal is such an amazing actor, I think you would have still conveyed that emotion even if you were taking the ma- uh, the helmet off on a regular basis. I think he is so well versed in his well, craft, right? That he could have conveyed to you that it would have been just as much of a sentimental scene if he was constantly taking the mask off. But see, I feel like it would have meant less. Not not necessarily that he wouldn't be able to convey the emotion mm. behind it because he does that beautifully. But the impact would have been far less because, well, he takes it off for this reason, too. Mm. So it's like, yeah, he's sad and stuff, but it being the – we'll get to it whenever we get to it. Yeah. But like him taking it off to allow Grogu to actually touch him uh-huh. was just like, oh, it's sad. Yeah. But if he took it off for like – just to be like, I'm really upset that you're wearing Mandalorian armor and you're not a Mandalorian type thing. Like, if he's about to fight, I don't think you should take it off. But if he, if if someone uh, like a friend is like, look, I need to talk to you, um, then that would be important for him to take off the mask. So that way, they could see his eyes and like interact with him in some familial See, way. but I, f- I feel like he does a good enough job with just I mean, his it's body. Fine. Yes. Um, is he actually playing the Mandalorian yes, in, in season, this season? Yes, in season two, he's much he, he's much more involved in season two. Pedro Pascal is in season two. Uh, with, so he's the one that's actually in the suit. Yes, most of the time. Most yes. of the time. Um, yeah, I think that he does a fine job mm-hmm. of conveying emotion with just his body language that you don't need. Like... Whenever he's having conversations with people, you can tell that he is engaged or like actively listening mm-hmm. and stuff. Like you don't necessarily. As far as you know, he could be making fucking goofy faces under that helmet. Well, right? I mean, that's that was one of the best parts about like wearing masks and stuff because you could smile with your eyes and be like, "Fuck you, fuck 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 you." Fuck yeah, you could have like this nasty smirk on under, your face under your fucking mask, and nobody could see it. Yeah. So yeah, either that or like whenever. Uh, Cara Dune's talking to him like this is really important we need to do this and he's like we're <laughs> <laughs> not making any sounds she's like nah, 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 nah. <laughs> or you know as a Mandalorian he probably really likes strong women so he's just like oh. <laughs> <laughs> look at his fucking lips or like doing little tongue darting like <laughs> Under, under his mask the entire time she was talking. <laughs> Just making weird tongue gestures. <laughs> this is really important. Uh-huh. <laughs> You're right. Uh, anyway, let's get into this series, Ryan. <laughs> oh, man, I just realized in his cult, like, none of the women get oral pleasure. That's terrible. Well, they don't really specify. They can't take off the mask. Or they can't take off the helmet. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Obviously, you can't have an enemy take it off. Uh, but they don't specify if you can do it with an intimate lover. Well, but they say, have you taken your helmet off in front of anyone else? So, all I can imagine is they're getting all down to business. Yeah. And he's like, sorry, the helmet stays on. <laughs> wow! Wow! <laughs> I'm going to show you my best scar, Steve. <laughs> How do you like this dark saber? <laughs> For Mandalore! 
<laughs> I'll show you a dank ferric. <laughs> uh, but uh, we, I should also mention, we do have Brendan Wayne and Latif Garrett, or not Garrett, but Crowder, in the series. They're just more stunt performing instead mm-hmm. of just the uh, being in the suit. The body order. doubles of. Right. A Pedro. Um, but yeah, Pedro is in is involved in season two much more than he was in season one. Uh, but uh, let's get into the series. Uh, we have uh, uh, first episode of season two, which is chapter nine, The Marshal, and it's fifty five minutes long. Uh, directed by John Favreau, written by John Favreau. Um, we just see the op- the cold open for this season is uh, we don't know the planet, we don't know what city he's on. We just know he's looking for someone named Gore Koresh. Mm-hmm. He enters outside of some sort of like fighting arena. He gets uh, ushered in, and we see like two Gamorians just fighting with axes. And it looks like one's getting the better hand of the other one. Uh, we see Mandalorian with Baby Yoda in the pram, floating pram right beside him. Walks up to a gentleman with just one eye, uh, Cyclops of sorts. And it's played by John Leguizamo. Now, I couldn't find or confirm if it's him in the outfit as well. Or if it's, it's just, just him doing voice. the voice. Um, but we know John Leguizamo has done work like that before with him in the outfit and shit. Yeah, I mean... Spawn. Um, yeah, the fucking... Clown. What which, the hell's his name? I think it's just called The Clown. Yeah, I don't fucking now I gotta fucking look it up because it's gonna... I'm not me. entirely sure. But yeah, he plays the clown in uh, Spawn. And he does amazing work in that. Um, so I'm assuming... I'm, a going, I'm going to assume that he does play the character in the outfit. Violator. Violator, that's it. But he, he's going up to him, and he's like, look, I heard you have word of a Mandalorian. Uh, you know where a Mandalorian, Mandalorian is. is. Uh, so that way he can figure out what to do with uh, this child. The Mandalorian should be able to help. He's looking for other Mandalorians to try to help him find a Jedi to right. help train Grogu, or ba- the, the child. Return him, return him to his people. Right. And Gork Resh is like, yeah, I heard, but mm, and nah. It's not going to happen, because here's what's going to happen. You're going to bet your armor on this fight. says, I bet, I'll bet the information that you are seeking against your Beskar that this Gamorrean is going to die in the next minute. Yes. And Mandalorian's like, "Mm, no, I don't like leaving stuff like that up to chance. Yeah. And then uh, he's like, well, neither do I. And he pulls out a fucking blaster and... Immediately shoots the shoots the Gamorian, the one that isn't his, the one that he didn't bet on. Right, and then all hell breaks loose. Uh, he immediately turns the gun on Mandalorian, along with a few of his henchmen. Turn guns on Mandalorian. We see Baby Yoda, uh, the child, close up the pram completely because he's like, oh fuck this, because he sees that I know what's going to happen now. Yes, he sees that Din has lit up his arm gauntlets for the whistling birds. Sky Daddy's got to kill some bitches. Yep, and then all hell breaks loose. Like I said. The uh, whistling birds come out of his gauntlet and like kill off a few of, uh, a few of the guys, and uh, we see one the Gamorrean that's still alive leap at uh, Mandalorian. I think he just steps out of the way. Yeah. yeah, am I correct? Yeah, he just steps out of the way, so that way the man- the Gamorrean could just land on his face in front of the Mandalorian. Um, but the fight uh, ends up with the, you know Mandalorian being on top. He uh, hooks a grappling line around the. Uh, Gore Koresh's legs, and then we cut yeah, to... Yeah, Gore, Gore Koresh runs away. Yeah, or at least tries to. Um, 
Well, no, he does. He leaves the the fighting arena. That's right. He meets him back outside. Goes back outside, um, and apparently there's creatures in the darkness on this planet. Yep. Uh, uh, he strings him up onto one of the lights and is like, "Look, uh, I'm gonna kill you right now, or I could just leave you." Uh, well, no, he alive. says he says I'm gonna kill you, and the guy's like, "Wait, wait, wait! I'll give you the information as long as you promise you won't kill me." And he says, "Okay, I won't kill you." So and then he give tells me the him. information. And he says that he hears rumors of a Mandalorian on Tatooine. And and he says the name of the city, Mos too. Pelgo. Yeah, Mos Pelgo. And uh, Din is like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I was just I on was Tatooine. I was just fucking there. <laughs> yes. And uh, Gorkresh is like, I swear, the information is true. He's on Tatooine. Just look for Mos Pelgo. He's there. And then Mandalorian's like, all right. Bye. Fine. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, Mandalorian, don't leave me here. He's like, that was not part of the deal. <laughs> and then we just see him shoot out the light that the guy is strung to. And then we just see all these, like, red eyeballs light up yep. around him. We just see, like, their visages, like, approaching Gorkoresh as he yells out in pain. Uh, cut to uh, the title credits. Uh, and then we see uh, Mandalorian approaching uh, Tatooine. He goes into the same docking bay, I think, 34 for... Paley Mato's uh, docking bay. Mm-hmm. We see that she is still there doing her normal thing, dealing with pit droids. She initially tells the pit droids, like, hey, don't work on his ship. You, you, you know he know doesn't, he like, doesn't like it. And then Din is like, no, 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 just let him let him work on it. And then she's like, oh, well, I guess you like droids now. Whatever. Uh, and then he asks her, he's like, look, I'm looking for Moss Pelgo. Do you know where the fuck it is? And she's like, yeah, it's an old mining town. Rumors are this no longer exists, but... It's been picked over by scavengers. So, and then she yells for R five, which yes, it is the same R five from A New Hope. Um, and we see we the camera even hones in on the, like the little uh, motivator in the back that popped out. And we see like the oil markings and everything mm-hmm. on the back of the uh, R five. So it is supposed to be the same R five as in A New Hope. And he displays or uh, the R five displays a map, and she's like, "Look, this is Moss Eisley. This is." M- Moss Espa, and over here she swipes up, and she's like, "This is Moss Pelgo." Mm-hmm. Is that the name of the town? Moss Pelgo. Yeah, Moss Pelgo. And, she, and Mandalorian's like, "Look, it's not there." And she's like, "Trust me, it's there." And like I said, she repeats a little bit. It's just it's been wiped out by uh, scavengers. Um, There's nothing there. That's why it's not on the maps. Yes, and she's like, "Look, you can't take the ship because they'll see you from a mile away, and you won't be able to find anybody to help you." find this Mandalorian that you're looking for. Mandalorian's like, well, right, do you still have that speeder bike on you? The same one from the first season. She's like, yeah, it's got a few rust spots, but yeah, sure. Cut to him, like, making his way through the Tatooine Canyons and the uh, Dune Sea and the whole nine yards. We see him, like, talking to Tusken Raiders uh, with the sign language and everything, grunts and all that. Mm -hmm. And then we see him approach this... uh, middle of nowhere town he's going through the main thoroughfare and we see everybody just like looking at him as he's slowly going through and they're a bit cautious of him we see that they're they're not running away from him uh we see what happens whenever he goes to another town in another episode that these people those people do run away from him people in this town are just like all right so we don't know this guy he seems like he may be able to help and we see that we later on find out that they know that look of that person looks very similar to their marshal. So maybe this is somebody we could trust, but they all have this look like, I don't know. Don't know him from, from, from fucking Tom. So he approaches the bar 
and he goes into the bar with Baby Yoda, who just trailing behind him. Baby Yoda's just like bombing around. Uh, he's looking at like a spittoon. Yeah, he ends up in a spittoon. Uh, just looking into it. Uh, and Mandalorian is like, asks the bartender. He's like, hey, uh, so I'm looking for another Mandalorian. And the bartender's like, all right, so what do the Mandalorians look like? And he's like, like me. And the bartender's like, oh, you mean like the Marshal? And uh, Din is like, so the Marshal is a Mandalorian? And the bartender's like, yeah, sure, I possibly. Why don't you ask him yourself? And uh, he, Mandalorian asks, like, all right, where is he? And immediately the bartender looks to his right. He's like, oh, he's right there. Cut to a shot of Mandalorian in the frame with uh, this character in the frame as well. And he looks fucking amazing. Uh, the armor looks a bit battle damaged, of course. We'll find out why in Book of Boba Fett, why it looks the way mm. it does. Uh, but it's a character in the Boba Fett armor. Um, with red like a uh, shirt underneath and the whole nine yards, and it's this is Cobb Vanth. Um, now, how he gets the armor, we see it in the episode about him being rescued yep. by Jawas and making a trade with the Jawas for the armor and everything. There's a story in Aftermath where it's just one of the interlude stories of that fucking story of Cobb Vanth finding the uh, Boba Fett armor. Mm-hmm. And it plays out very similarly. The few tweaks here and there. I don't think in the uh, aftermath novel. I don't think he was like near death, but I do think he was wandering the desert, just looking for some sort of help mm-hmm. in some manner for the village or whatever. So it happens very similarly. Just a few tweaks here and there. Um, uh, but he walks up and he says to the bartender, two spotchkas, or no, two. Basically, asked the bartender. I can't remember the uh, it's Spotchka and something else that you, like two thimbles of Spotchka or whatever the fuck. Um, the bartender hands him the glass along with uh, the bottle along with two glasses, and then he we see Cobb Vanth walk up to the table, sit down. We see Mandalorian about to approach him. He's like, "Why don't you have a drink with me?" And, and then takes off the, Mandal- the helmet. Mandalorian starts walking towards him, and Cobb Vanth takes off the helmet. And immediately, Mandalorian stops where he's, he's at. like, "The fuck you do!" <laughs> yes, this is the first Mandalorian we've seen him act interact with that has taken off the helmet completely. And right away, Cobb Vanth is like, "Look, I figured this would happen someday. One of your people would come looking for this armor. I'm not a Mandalorian, but I did." find it and mandalorian's like all right where'd you get it from he's like i bought it off of some jawas and and mandalorian's like look you're gonna give me that armor now yeah and uh cobb vanth is like i can't i can't do that it's like um no i'm not i use it to protect my people here no listen you are and you see it start looking like it's going to turn into a gunfight yep and he's like we're gonna do this right here in front of the kid and mandalorian's like it looks that way so both of them are now standing up, and it looks like we're going to have like a shootout in this bar between the two of them. And when everything is about to fucking go apeshit, we hear just like a loud, deep rumbling happening. And alarms. And alarms. Uh, we see Cobb Vanth put up like a wait one second finger as he goes out of the bar and sees what's happening. And we just see like, similar to what you would see in the ocean, of just like a tidal wave of sand, little tidal wave of sand rippling up uh on the edge as something fin is it a fin i thought it was just like a the the little tidal wave like something i think you see it's well it's not really a fin it's more like the back of an alligator okay moving through the water it's sand at this point well i'm right it's it's not (laughs) i know i know we're trying to make comparisons to the 
make a comparison, like you can see that it's the body of something moving through the sand mm-hmm. that kind of looks like an alligator moving uh, through floating, the swamp, floating through a swamp, okay. uh, appearing like a log. Okay. Um, and we see everybody just fucking trying to figure out a way to get into their buildings safely without things getting... Up off the sand. Up off the sand, pretty much. Out of the way of this fucking creature. Because, uh-oh, they got themselves a graboid. <laughs> yes, pretty much. Uh, we see a bantha, like, uh, neg or bleat. I don't know what the fuck banthas do. Make noise as it fucking panics. <laughs> Bantha doing Bantha things. <laughs> right. Uh, and then we just watch as this uh, crate dragon, as we'll find out later, uh, consumes this Bantha and then just fucks off. <laughs> and uh, Cobb Vanth is like, look, uh, I could really use your help on some things. You do that. Maybe maybe we can come to an agreement. Yes. I can't give you the armor, but maybe if you help me take care of this. This crate dragon. And uh, Mandalorian, Mandal- the Mandalorian is like, yeah, sure, I'll just hop in my uh, ship and blow it from the sky. And Cobb is like, no, no, no. That's not going to work. He's going to hear the vibrations and he's going to fucking stay underground. So you can't do it that way. We have to do it. I know where the crate Dragon lives. We just have to do it from there and figure out some way to fucking kill him uh, from his den. And Mandalorian's like, all right, fine. Uh, so they take off across the Dune Sea as well. And we see that Cobb Vanth is driving, not a speeder bike, but it's almost like a repurposed uh, engine from a pod racer. Yeah, a pod racer engine. It looks very similar to Anakin's. It's got the uh, yellow guards at the top. Mm-hmm. It's got the little uh, uh, turbine turbine in the front. It's long like the ones Anakin did. There's no confirmation that it is Anakin's. We know in uh, 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 Phantom Menace, he does sell the pod racer. But we mm-hmm. don't know who. We don't even know what happened to the pod racer after that. But we just—it looks very similar to the Anakin pod racer, the engine from the right. Anakin pod racer. And we see Cobb explain to the Mandalorian uh, of his backstory about how uh, after they watched the Star explode, the second one that is, uh, everyone was hooting and hollering. But shortly after, like seconds after the man, uh, the Death, the second Death Star exploded. This mining collective came in and fucking enslaved everybody. Killed who wouldn't fucking fall in the line and just enslaved everybody else. We see him run out of the bar, grab a Camtono as a last-ditch effort, and just run into the desert in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And he's lost. He's fucking on his last leg. And then uh, as he's about to die, he sees a jaw- the Jawa Sandcrawler pull up to him. Cut to him inside. He's drinking just a bunch of water. The uh, Jawas open the Camtono, and it's... Uh, what is it? Uh, Silicax crystals, which are very valuable to the Jawas. And they're making, like, uh, they bring him, like, a fucking fancy droid, uh, the, weapons. The best of what they have. And uh, uh, Cobb is like, no, I don't want any of it. Points to the Boba Fett armor. And then uh, this is where no, we are caught up. Or, no, we, we hear more of the story of how he goes back to the village and then just lays waste to everybody that's part of the mining collective. Right. In the Mandalorian armor, the Beskar is able to deflect their blasts and yeah. stuff, so he's more well-protected, and they also fear Mandalorians, yep. like most people do, because mm-hmm. they know that they're badass fighters yep. throughout their lives, and so nobody wants to fuck with them, and he's able to kind of take over. Take and- all them out and basically protect this town from... Any more uh, mining collective people, and then we find out later on from like Tuscan Raiders, and tries his best with the crate dragon as well. And I did like um, 
Like, he walks into the bar and kills a bunch of guys. And they're like, man, fuck this. And they get in their, uh, their speeder. little speeder thing. And they're going off. And he fucking fires the rocket and blows them up. And it's like, yeah. Very, looking very badass and everything. Uh, but yeah, now we're cutting down, a cut back to present time. They're pulling up to a canyon. And they hear some sort of howling. Not sure what it is. Um, I think I wrote it down what the creature is. Oh, massives. We see them in uh, Attack of the Clones whenever Anakin wipes out that entire same people village. Yeah. They're just like these weird looking wolf dog things and they're snarling at the at the two of them and then uh, Mandalorian knows what this means. It means that there are Tusken Raiders nearby. So he yells out and uh, some sort of like Tuscan Raider sound. The massives understand this sound as being one of their people, and they wait a minute. They immediately calm the fuck down because initially they were going to attack the both of them, but immediately whenever he makes the uh, the same people sound, they just chill the fuck and out. He's, he's approaching them as he's making the sounds, and then he fucking gives one some scratches behind the ears, and the Tuscan Raiders are like, "Man, those are my attack dogs!" Like, <laughs> the fuck. Yeah. And so they come out from behind the rock. Uh, to find out what's going on. And and we just get a conversation between Mandalorian and these same people in sign language. Mm-hmm. Which I always love that fucking aspect. Because it's not an aspect you would fucking incorporate. The first time we are ever introduced to these creatures is in A New Hope. And they are just like these, from all intents and purposes, these mindless fucking beings that are constantly causing a nuisance to people. Right. And here we find out they're just indigenous people. And we find out in the Book of Boba Fett they were... They've been the first people on this planet that other people have come through. They are our Native Americans. Right. Only in the Star Wars universe. and we, Everybody else is colonizers. Yes. And I like that aspect of it. I don't know why. It's just fucking fascinating that, we, that these characters we've always seen as bad guys when they're actually just people trying to live and they have all these other fucking entities encroaching on their land, taking over what... Right. The right of passages. They're 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 being put on reservations. Yes, pretty much uh, told to act more like a white person. Blah blah blah. And if they don't, then they get killed or shit like that. So it's very similar that fucking horrific story of Native American people in this country. Uh, Bo or not Bo, but uh, Cobb is like, hey, uh, why don't why don't you include me in this conversation? Because I have no idea what the fuck is going on. Cut two hours later, and he's sitting around a campfire with the Tusken Raiders and Mandalorian, and Mandalorian is still trying to do his thing. We see one of the Tusken Raiders pop open a, what they call them black melons, mm-hmm. um, and hand it to uh, Cobb as a, just like, this is a friendly type thing. This so like a Like a peace pipe type thing. Yes. And uh, Cobb is like, all right, what do I do with this? What am I supposed to do with this? Mandalorian says, you drink it. And Cobb, Va- Cobb Vanth is like, hey... It smells like shit. I'm not drinking this fucking thing. No fucking way. Now, we'll find out in uh, Book of Boba Fett, these black melon things are all over the fucking desert. You just have to go looking for them. Mm. Um, it's the way to uh, uh, nutrate the same people body without actually looking for water. It's some sort of like thing that happens within the desert where these black melon things form. They don't really explain it. It's just something that they start harvesting in mm-hmm. uh, Book of Boba Fett. Um, Cobb is not having any of it. They start uh, bickering back and forth. We see Mandalorian stand up. He's like, hey, if we don't stop this fighting, then the Krayt Dragon's going to fucking kill us all and not think twice about it. So we need to fucking work together. I don't give a shit. 
Uh, cut to the next day, and they are now approaching the Crate Dragon den. And a Mandalorian is like, look, Crate Dragon uh, lives in a abandoned Sarlacc pit. Which I, I find that detail fucking fascinating. And uh, Cobb Vanth is like, what are you talking about? There's uh, no such thing as an abandoned Sarlacc, Sarlacc pit. pit. And Mando's like, there is whenever you eat it. And so this uh, Crate Dragon has eaten a Sarlacc pit in some form. Um, I don't know if it's the same one that we know from like Return of the Jedi, but there there are several Sarlacc pits in on Tatooine. Right. We see the the uh, sand the, the, the sand people are going to show them that they know how to coax the crate dragon out of the den. It basically, um, Cobb Vanth is like, we don't need these people, and Mando's like, yeah, we do. They've been doing this for generations. They know more about this crate dragon than you or I do. Like, we need their help. And they're about to show us that um, whenever it sleeps, they come and feed it so it sleeps for longer. Like, studying its cycle, its habits, habits and all that that, stuff. And you see, as he's telling him this, there's a sand person walking a bantha up to the cave entrance. And then he calls out in... Like the Tuscan Raider grunt for whatever reason. <laughs> yeah. And you hear a low growl as the crate dragon wakes up and then he's like, Oh shit, oh fuck, oh shit, oh fuck. You gotta get the fuck and out starts, of here. Starts running back, um, does not make it very far no. as the crate dragon <laughs> goes up, right by the Bantha and heads fucking, straight for the same person. doesn't care at all about the Bantha <laughs> yeah. and right to and eats the sand person. <laughs> We see the reaction from the sand people are like, oh shit, that was Steve. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> um, and part of me is like, just wants to be Cobb Vanth at that point and be like, well, that doesn't fill me with confidence. You say they've been doing this for years and they don't know how to do it without losing one of their people. Uh... <laughs> um, we see uh, sometime later and they are coming up, the sand people are coming up with a plan. Uh, Cobb is looking down, and he's uh, a bit. <laughs> he's being a petty little bitch at this point. Yeah, kinda. because he's looking down at the scale model that they've rendered with like different things ar- around them. And, and Cobb is like, like a snake skeleton. He's yeah. like, well, what's that supposed to be? And Mando's like, that's the uh, the crate dragon. And he's like, well, I don't think that's to scale. And, and Mando's, Mando's like, like, all right, mm, yeah, it is. There's no way it's that big. Yeah, there is. <laughs> yeah. He's, he asked the sand people, like, is this the scale? And they're like, yeah, it is. And it, immediately Cobb is like, uh, we need to rethink some things. Uh, I did not think it was this fucking huge. Uh, this is fucking a problem. Right. We're never going to be able to do it. And the sand people throw more rocks down. And uh, he's like, well, what's that? And Manda's like, that's reinforcements. And... He's like, oh, that's great. There's more sand people coming. He's like, no. I volunteered your town. I volunteered your town to help. And he's like, you did what? <laughs> Cut to uh, Mando like, well, they're and they're never going to go for it. Yeah. Uh, Mando and Cobb are now back in the village, in the bar, with everybody from the village in the bar. And Cobb is like, look, I've got an issue here. You got a problem. We've got a problem. We've got a problem. Uh, the Kray Dragon has been giving us problems, and Mando and I over here have fucking figured out how to take care of it. The only issue is that um, in order to do it, I've made a deal with him where 
he takes back the armor that I have and brings it back to his people and helps me take care of the crate dragon, but we need uh, the help of the Tusken Raiders. And immediately the town's like, no fucking way. They've killed a bunch of our people. And Well, they're like, oh, okay, that's fine. You you work with them. And uh, <laughs> Cobb is like, actually, it's a little bit more complicated than that. Yeah. Um, we all need to work together with them. And they're like, no, fuck you. Yeah, they've killed a bunch of our people. And I think it's Mando's like, yeah, and you've killed a bunch of their people as well. So it's pretty much 50-50 at this point. I don't think anybody agrees outright, but then we cut to... Well, they're all like, well, I guess this is what we have to do. Yeah. Uh, cut to, uh, and we just see the they, sand people. They begrudgingly accept. Yeah. Uh, we see the sand people in single file line come up uh, to... Uh, Which I, I love the attention to detail. Yeah, with the single file line. Because... To hide their numbers. Yeah, they hide their numbers in single file. Uh, they approach the town, and then we see the, the, the villagers and the sand people are trying to work in conjunction with one another and it looks like it's going off without a hitch it's, but then it's going okay like you can tell that there's like tension yeah, and animosity stuff. of some sort yeah. and there's a little bit of animosity and um one of the townspeople hands a bomb to one of the tuscan raiders who trips and falls yeah and then the townspeople lose their absolute shit. They're like, you fucking tried to kill us all. But... And so Cobb steps in and is like, calm down. <laughs> cool it, bitch. Come on. Like, it was an accident. <laughs> like, he didn't mean it. And helps him up so you can see that, like, although they're working together, there's definitely some tension. Some tension. Yep. Uh, cut to, they're now traveling, uh, single file uh, once more through the dune sea and they get to the crate dragon entrance and we just see them setting up shop. We see them, uh, uh, digging out a bunch of like holes and stuff for the bombs. So the plan is, is to draw the crate dragon out of the den far enough to where they can blow up bombs on the underside of the crate dragon. Because it's the only spot that's weak. Yes. Um, so that's the plan. So they're going to figure out, use a bunch of banthos to try to coax it out. They have all these bombs that they're laying into the ground, uh, and it looks like the plan's about to work. We see that they, they've got it all set up. The Mandalorian shows them how to arm the bomb and everything, um, and basically it looks like it's about to work, but then he I think the crate Dragon stops before it fully yeah, gets it doesn't, over. Yeah, it doesn't go over the bombs like they thought it would. Yeah. Um, it starts retreating back to its cave, and they're like, well, that's a problem. Like, he's not far enough yet. We have to get him further, and the uh, Tuscan Raiders um, like fire ballista bolts into yeah. it, and they uh, have a bunch of ropes. And I just thought it was fucking funny because there's like four Raiders that grab onto the rope, like, "Oh, we'll just pull it." Yeah, <laughs> and then it just like, "Nope," and just <laughs> launches them through the air. Yeah. Uh, we see we see them uh, last ditch effort try to set off the bombs in the ground, but uh, that same instance we see the great dragon go down into the ground, and we see after the dust all settles, there's nothing there. Well, no, um, all of the townspeople and stuff. Whenever they're like, we need to get further, they all start shooting at it, drawing it out over the bombs. Oh, did they? Yep. Okay. They, they drew them out over the bombs. They blow up the bombs. And as the dust settles, it's gone. Yes. And they're like, we, we did it? 
And Mando's like, I don't, I don't no. think so. And then, boom, out of the side of the mountain that the den is attached to, the crate dragon appears and then just starts spewing acid, I'm assuming. It must be. All over the place. We see fucking just sand people and uh, people from the village just alike being eviscerated by this fucking throw up. Uh, and we see everybody just fucking just run away as fast as fucking possible. Uh, the crate dragon dives back into the ground and we see Mandalorian comes up with a plan that he needs to, the plan, his new plan is to take a bunch of bombs, wrap it onto a, a bantha. Well, there's a bunch of bombs still on a bantha. That's right. And, um, that was positioned by the cave entrance. I don't know why they didn't just start with this plan. Yeah. Um, and have it eat Eat the, the the bantha and then blow it up. Um, but for whatever reason, they decided to. There, there wasn't a high enough body count yet, so they, <laughs> yeah. they didn't go with Plan B, which should have been Plan, plan A, a yeah. to begin with. <laughs> yeah. um, and he and Cobb Vanth fly up with their jetpacks and like shoot it to get its yeah, attention, right. so it stops throwing up all over everybody. Yeah. Um, like you do with a drunk frat boy. Uh, like, hey, hey, over here where the toilet is. Like, come, come here. Aim here. Come, aim here. Yes. Um, and uh, they get its attention. It starts coming after them. Then they jet off with their jetpacks, and uh, they kind of fly around. It appears on the backside. Like it goes back underground and appears back behind everybody. I think, uh, like yeah, the, I think you're right. On the sand dune behind everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and is just like charging through back towards its lair. Mm-hmm. And uh, Cobb Vanth and uh, Jin are standing like in the entrance next to the Bantha. And uh, Jin's like, okay, I have a plan. Did. Or Din. Is. I've got a plan. Not really a good plan. <laughs> but it's a plan. But it's a plan. <laughs> so he basically stands right in front of the Bantha and is just firing his uh, rifle at the crate Dragon who starts coming towards him. And he's like, okay. And uh, Cobb Vanth is standing right next to him. He's like, oh, all right, well, what are we going to do? Like... What's what's happening? What's the plan? And he's like, uh, take care of the kid. Bam! Hits him <laughs> on the jetpack. Hits the jetpack, which launches him into the air. Yeah. And then he just kind of stands there waiting, like bracing. And the bantha gets loose. And he's like, no, no, no. And grabs the rope. Tries to hold on to him. And is holding on to it as the crate dragon... Uh, Goes past and swallows both of them. Yep. Because I think the idea was that he was going to dive out of the way at the last second. Right. And then the bantha got loose. So he had to basically just hold him there, get swallowed swallowed by the crate dragon with the bantha. Uh, So for a few seconds, everybody's like, all hope is lost. It swallowed the Mandalorian. (laughs) Yeah. Cobb Vanth kind of looks at him like, that wasn't a great plan. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then after a few seconds, we just hear like, boom, boom, boom. And then... It just basically erupts from the center. We see the no, man. You see uh, a mandolin comes out of his mouth. Yeah, you see like um, blue tendrils of electricity. That's right. Arcing out, and uh, 
the Kray Dragon opens its mouth and you see Mando appear from inside all covered in slime bile of some sort and then yeah then we and hear and then you see him land and activate the bombs blowing it up yep. and the uh, the agreement that the sand people and the village came to was yeah, that, about that the sand people would keep the meat and icker icker from the crate dragon and then there would be peace until Unless one of the villagers Until kills. Until the town fucking kills one of the Tuscan Raiders and then force would be met with force. Yep. But they're like, this will be like, we'll help you kill it. We'll, you know, give you our knowledge and all of our, you know, our people standing right next to yours fighting. We get to keep everything from the crate Dragon and you guys get peace and no longer have to deal with the crate Dragon. Yeah. So two problems solved. Uh, because of one solution. Right. Um, so they're not going to be hunted by Tuscan Raiders, and the crate Dragon at this point is uh, killed. Uh, we see Cobb gives the armor back to a Mandalorian, and we also see that Mandalorian has a chunk of the crate Dragon meat wrapped up yep. and tied on the back of his uh, speeder. Uh, Baby Yoda's on the back of the speeder as well, just kind of like eyeing the chunk of meat. Uh, we see that Sam people are going to work on what's left of the crate Dragon. And one thing that's always been fascinating is, like, uh, they open up this one, like, area of the crate Dragon, and they pull out, like, a big-ass, like, beach ball-sized pearl yeah. from the crate Dragon. That's a KOTOR thing, Knights of the Old Republic. Um, it, you can uh, kill a crate Dragon in that game, and whenever you do, and you salvage whatever you can from the crate dragon, one of them is a crate dragon pearl that you can put into your lightsaber that gives you like uh, some sort of like bonus whenever mm. you're hacking and slashing and shit. I just always found that fascinating. That uh, like we we'll get to the death troopers or not death troopers, but the dark troopers whenever we get to them. But that's also a legends things as right. well. That all these legend things are slowly coming back into the fold. So I, everyone that was getting pissed off that it was all being reset, just give it time. Everything from all those novels and all those games right, the, will slowly the making the their, good stuff will all come back. Yes, there are fucking like X-wing novels that are just like shit that don't need to fucking come back. Uh, X-wing novels not dealing with like Red Five, like Luke Skywalker and shit, right. just like Z-list characters that are just utter shit. So anyway. Uh, uh, Cobb says thank you for the help uh, but make sure you tell your people that I wasn't the one that broke that pointing at the jetpack right. I think that's it he basically says bye I hope to see you again Mandalorian says the same thing uh, Mando gets on the bike and just speeds off and before we cut the credits we see Mando going through a canyon and shit and then we see a figure somebody standing above uh, above where he's uh, driving and he's got like a, a cycler rifle and a gaffy stick on his back and he's all dressed in black. He's just looking at Mando as he's going through the canyon and he turns around and it's Tamora Morrison and we know who that is because Boba Fett is an unaltered clone of Jango, oh, Jango Fett. Fett. So we know this is Boba Fett still on Tatooine. Um, we'll find out what happens with him and Fennec Shan here in a bit. But we cut to credits. Uh, next episode... Uh, is called uh, Chapter 10, The Passenger, directed by Peyton Reed and John Favreau. And you don't know who Peyton Reed is. He directed the Ant-Man movies. I think he's directing Quantumania as mm. well. Uh, but he also directed this episode. And it's just... Uh, the episode immediately starts off with a group of bandits setting up uh, some sort of like rope 
to tie oh, yeah. off and trip the Mandalorian as he's speeding through uh, the land, uh, this like desert canyon. Uh, On his way back to, to Mos uh, Yeah, Paley Motto to get back in the ship and then go where he needs to go. Um, what is he... Why is he going back to a ship? Why is he not... Well, because it wasn't a Mandalorian, and so now he's got to start his search over. I okay, think. so yeah, that's the only thing. Is he just starting his search over? Because I was like, why is he going back to his ship? Like, no, he's just going back there to try to figure out what to do next. Because right. this was obviously a dead end. It was a bust. Yeah, uh, but as he's making his way through the canyon, we see these bandits, and then we should mention like there's a little guy with like some sort of like metal mask on him. The rest are just like nondescript bandit-looking guys. Yeah. Um, uh, they tighten the rope as, uh, Mando comes across it and he and baby Yoda get launched into the air they along go with fucking flying along with everything on the fucking, uh, speeder bike as well. It crashes. It's in, uh, pieces at this point. It's not going to yep. fucking be repaired in any manner. Um, but Mando quickly gets up on his feet and starts taking out motherfuckers left and right. It looks like he's going to get his, uh, get the upper hand. He's going to have his, uh, get the upper handed on it looks like he's going to be beat by Are these you people. having a stroke? <laughs> I don't know what I was trying to say. Do you smell toast? <laughs> right. It looks like he's going to be beat by these people. And uh, at the last second, I think more whistling birds come out of his arm. Take out a few. Yeah, he takes out a few of them. But not all of them. The little guy with like the metal mask, he doesn't take out. Uh, but they get quickly dispatched. And then as the Mandalorian is about to... Uh, he pulls out his gun right at the last second as the little man with the metal mask takes a knife and puts it up to Baby Yoda's throat. Yeah. And and we don't hear the conversation on the little guy's side, but we just hear Mando's like, look, look, don't do anything. If you kill him, I will fucking annihilate you. <laughs> I will end you, and it won't be pretty. And Mando basically tells him, he's like, look, look at everything around here. Take whatever you Take want. Take whatever you want. Just put you the kid down. It. Just leave the kid be. And we see that the the little guy with the metal mask is like, hey, points to uh, his jetpack. And Mando's like, all right. Well, it takes off his back, puts it onto the ground. The little guy drops Baby Yoda and quickly grabs the jetpack. Mando picks up Baby Yoda, sees that he's all right, and then sees a little guy off in the distance just hauling ass with yep. all the heart in the world. And then Mando hits a few things on his gauntlet and pew, <laughs> gets shot into the air. <laughs> Which I laughed like a fucking idiot. <laughs> right. Uh, the little guy gets fucking tossed into the ground dead because he's been shot up in the air like a couple hundred feet and then loses control and gets thrown to the well, ground. Well, no, he like launches him in the air and you hear the little like, as <laughs> he gets further away. And then you see him hit a couple more things, shutting the, uh, the jetpack back off. And then... Because <laughs> he hits the ground. And then the jetpack, uh, he turns it back on after the guy has let it go. And it sails back down and lands really nice. And then falls And then falls over. <laughs> and uh, then you see him collect everything and put the put the jetpack back on his back. Yep. Uh, we cut to uh, the title credit, uh, chapter 10, uh, The Passenger. Uh, and so time has passed. Uh, it's like nighttime at this point. He's walked the rest of the way, obviously. He's got everything on his back. Right, and he's he's slung like one of the the like strut bars or something on the speeder bike. On yeah. the speeder bike, and uh, has everything like on each side in like cargo makeshift. netting, yeah, like makeshift whatever he could make to carry all this stuff back. Yep. 
Uh, and he makes his way back to the cantina, the Moss Eisley cantina, and there is uh, Paley Motto playing a game of sabacc with uh, this is a with character Ant Man with Ant Man, yeah, with an ant like character. Um, this is a character you see in the back of the cantina uh, on uh, in A New Hope in Moss Eisley whenever yep. the the Obi Wan and Luke enter the cantina. It's just I don't think it moves a whole lot. It's just right there in the back, like in the corner somewhere. It's just an ant-like character, but they call him Dr. Mandibles Yep. <laughs> in the show. And obviously the lore build up behind the character is Dr. Mandibles. And he's playing a game of Sabacco Paley Motto. And Paley's like, look, I just got word that somebody may be able to help you find other Mandalorians. Uh, for well, you. she's like, how did it go? Oh, that's right. <laughs> and he just kind of looks at her. As he's carrying the speeder bike back in pieces and just kind of looks at her like he doesn't understand how she could be so dumb to ask him that. He's like, bad. (laughs) Obviously, bad. And she's like, well, uh, I I know somebody who might be able to help you, uh, but you have to cover uh, Dr. Mandible's bet here for this round. Or he knows somebody that might be able to help you. Um. But you have to cover his bet. Mm-hmm. And Mando's like, okay, well, what's the bet? And she's like, 500 credits. And he's like, that's a pretty steep bet. And he's like, well, he's been on a hot streak. And he's like, all right, fine, whatever. And throws the pot or throws the money in the pot. Mm-hmm. And she's like, does that look right to you? And Dr. Mandibles clicks in, uh, Whatever he does, his his uh, verification that yeah that looks good. And mm-hmm. She's like, okay, I got idiots array. She slams down. Yeah, she says idiots array. She slams down all the cards. She's like, aha, I beat you. And he's like, oh fuck. And Mando's like, oh well, I thought you said he was on a hot streak. And she's like, yeah, well, hot streaks end. You know, <laughs> it, just, it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, and then Mando's like, all right, so what are we talking about here? And then she goes to tell him, like, she knows of a person that needs passage uh, onto another planet, uh, Trask, an estuary moon uh, called Trask. And the only problem is, is that you can't use hyperdrive. You have to go at sublight uh, speed. He's like, well, that's the only thing keeping me safe is that I travel in hyperspace. She's like, well, you can't. And uh, as she says, she can't. But as long as you can't, like... It's fine because this will get you, you know, your information about Mandalorians and stuff. Yep. And her husband, and she she goes on to say that this person's husband has seen Mandalorians where he's at right now, and that's where she needs to go is where her husband is. Uh, and we some time has passed, and they're now in Paley Mato's like hangar, and they're cooking the crate dragon yep. meat. Um, and she's telling Mando all this about where they need to go, the estuary moon of Trask. And then as they're having this conversation, uh, Paley Motto turns to the side and there is, uh, they only call her this, a frog lady. She has no name yep. other than frog lady. And she's carrying like this big, uh, vial, like, yeah, big backpack tub. jug yeah, of eggs. Immediately, uh, we see Yoda, baby Yoda mm-hmm. clock it. Oh yeah, <laughs> we'll find out what happens later. Uh, we find out that fucking uh, Baby Yoda is a genocidal maniac because <laughs> he's about to kill an entire species because he's hungry. <laughs> yep. Uh, but I get it. <laughs> Mando says, "All right, 
uh, I'll, I'll do this for you if you are you sure that you can help me find more Mandalorians, people that look like me. She nods yes or says yes to uh, Panty Motto. She translates in the whole nine yards. Uh, they fuck off of Tatooine and go into sublight. Well, and <laughs> the part that made me laugh, she's like, oh, yeah, it's fine. It'll be great. Like, you'll just get her there and then she'll get you your Mandalorians. And he's like, okay, so you know, you know for a fact I can trust her. She, and she's like, oh, yeah, she's great. Like, that's fine. Like, he's like, all right, like, do you know she's on the level? And she's like, yeah, I just met her like five minutes ago. And he's like, I thought you said that she was like your best friend, that you, you know, trusted, knew her. Her, trusted her and knew her completely. And he, she's like, well, I mean, like, I know her. <laughs> or like, no, I, I, I met her. She says, I'm a great, I'm a judge, great judge of character. character. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Cut to them in she's space. Like, all right, whatever. Uh, yeah, cut to them in space, and the frog lady is chirping at him. Yeah, and he's like, I don't... He's like, I can't understand you. <laughs> and she croaks back, what? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I can't understand you. <laughs> uh, he asks her if she speaks Hatiz. She He has no idea what the fuck he's talking about. Uh, we see that she doesn't have the egg sack tube thing with her and baby yoda is nowhere to be found right it's just the two of them in the cockpit as they're going through sublight uh speed uh he tells her it's gonna be a little while before we get the trash so better go ahead and take a nap yep uh we uh i think he goes down to like the bed area. yeah before he takes a nap he goes looking for baby yoda to go take a nap in his little hutch yeah his little his his little bed cubby yeah and Baby Yoda spend, spent most of season one in. Yes. And he's looking for Baby Yoda, doesn't find it, but then he hears a rustle underneath uh, some sort of like canvas sheet thing. And he sees that Baby Yoda is under there with the top of that container with all the eggs open, eating them. <laughs> yep. One in his hand, just as he sees him, he's like, uh, <laughs> yes, and immediately Mando is like, "What are you fucking doing? Don't do that!" How many did you eat? <laughs> yes, and uh, so the reason they can't travel at in hyperspace yeah. is that it will damage these eggs, mm-hmm. and this is the last eggs that she'll have of her life cycle. Yeah, the, the last of her kind, the frog and, people. Yeah, the well, the last of her family's line. Was it her family? I yeah, thought it was her no. species. No, it was her family's line. Whatever. The last of whatever. Uh, so they're very important to his passenger, and he needs to make sure that his child doesn't does. fucking eat them all. <laughs> right. Uh, he quickly closes it, so yells to the frog lady, I found your tub of eggs, whatever the fuck. He takes baby Yoda. They both go in a little uh, sleepy time hatch. He closes it, and a few minutes have passed, and we hear a bunch of alarms blare up he goes in the main cockpit with baby yoda in his hands and immediately he sees that on both sides of him are two x-wings and they're hailing him and mando's like hey what's up and uh, the x-wing pilot uh it's like hey uh we seen that you were traveling at sublight speeds uh we just need to get an author this is uh heavy for uh imperial traffic so we just need to make sure that you are who you say you are so why don't you uh uh, send us an authorization ping or right, like light up your beacon or yeah, whatever. Yeah. And he's like, my uh, the Razor Crest is pre Empire. I've never needed it before. I don't really need it. He's like, oh okay, I don't have it. I don't have it. 
And then the X-Wing driver's like, oh, okay, that's cool. Um, but can you send us a ping from your vehicle? Just to let us know you are who you say you are, at the very least, that this is a Razor Crest and that, uh, you know, everything's on the up and up. And Mando's like, oh, I don't, it, the system's not really working. I can't really help you. I don't know what to do. It's just uh, not running properly. And the X-Wing driver's like, all right, cool, cool. So, uh, because of that, you'll have to come with us to this other place. Yep. And the man is like, oh, look. I found it. it it's it's up and running now. He flicks it on. And the X-Wing pilot's like, uh-huh. Imagine that. Yeah. Like, I am so surprised that it came up. A few seconds pass. Mando's just waiting, and it's like tension building as it, each second passes. Well, the, uh, the other X-Wing pilot's like, hey, uh... Can you switch over to channel two? He says, Carson, can you switch over Carson, to channel Switch over to channel two for a minute. Yep. And like, okay, stand by. Yep. And then a few seconds pass, and then all we hear is the S-foils locking into an attack position. Uh, the X-Wing wings open up, and immediately Mando's like, shit. Gig is, the jig is up. And immediately dive bombs to the nearest planet, which is just like this snowy tundra area. Uh, with all these different canyons and shit. And he's just trying to make his way through uh, the clouds and shit. And trying to, and we see him basically disappear from the X-Wings completely. We see inside their cockpit. They've lost all well, visibility. No. So they, uh, bo- they, they lock their S-foils into attack position. And then they come back and they're like, hey. Um, That's right. So we, uh, we had another ping with this craft do you know anything about the new republic uh, prison prison transport whatever number he broke into in season one yeah and there's a couple of seconds of nothing and then he dive bombs the planet and they're like are we really going to do this (laughs) like don't don't run (laughs) yeah the other guy says oh it looks like we got a runner and then they both start uh uh after him uh, yeah, and he's bobbing and weaving through all the clouds and stuff. The, the two X-Wings eventually lose visibility of him for a few minutes. And it looks like uh, uh, Din is going to get away. But then they immediately, uh, as they get closer to the surface, regain visibility. Because it's just a big cloudy area. As they get below the clouds, it's just a big snowy, bright, sunny area that they're now With a in. canyon. With and a canyon. They... He dives into the canyon. We see the X-Wings trailing right behind him. And it's just one of those... like. Uh, Classic dogfights through like an open canyon, bobbing and weaving through all the different like uh, mountains and rocks and formations. Chase scenes. And uh, it ends with them with Mando eventually sliding into under uh, like a, ha- a, a cliff area that acts like a shade and for an area below. He takes a hard right. Yeah. And, or he, he jukes one way and they follow or they're. They get a little bit more space in between them, and then he ducks into another area really quick and basically shuts everything down. Yep. So they can't track him anymore and lands, and it's a kind of a rough landing. They just kind of like skid into place, and he's like, okay, now we just have to sit here for a few minutes, and they'll fuck off, and then we'll uh, be able to go again. Get out of here. Uh, he sees them pass them by, and they didn't don't see that he's there at all so he's like all right let's get out of here cool perfect he starts everything up and it looks like they're about to take off and then boom the uh basically under them basically collapses and he falls into a canyon right below them 
uh, basically fucking up the Razor Crest uh, completely. Like uh, we see, like gashes are now open on the side of it. Uh, uh, the engines are just completely jacked. We see sparks flying all over the place. We see small fires here and there. Uh, the Razor Crest is irreparably damaged at this point. Uh, we see Mando looking at the damage, and he's like, "Shit!" Uh, so he has no way of getting this ship uh, a able to fly in this atmosphere and be able to get it to fly in space at all. Uh, but he's figuring out some way to, uh, no. So Mando's like, look, the damage, uh, is way too extensive. There's nothing to do right now. Uh, all we need to do is just rest for the time being. And then we'll figure out something when we wake up and frog lady is like, no, we need to figure this out now. Cause we need to get the fuck out of here. And Mando's like, look, there's nothing to do right now. Let's just get some rest. And then he uh, basically hunkers down with Baby Yoda. Uh, and I guess a few hours pass. And then we just hear that Zero droid's voice again. And Mando immediately pops up. He's like, holy shit, what the fuck? Points his gun at the Zero droid that's still in his uh, Razor Crest. or just the body of it. Yep. And immediately, Frog Lady has... Uh, he Immediately, Mando has figured out the Frog Lady has repurposed the well, no, Zero she droid. she says as much. She's like, I... Uh, the droid is still inactive. I just activated his translation protocol thing so we could understand each other. I must impose upon you like the severity of us needing to go to get the fuck out of here because this is the last of my people. I need them to be uh, laid upon, <laughs> fertilized, fertilized by, yeah. by this time, or they will not be. Viable. Viable. And these are the last of my life cycle. I will not be able to make any more. So it is paramount importance that you fucking get me where you said you were going to. Yep. And he's like, I can't do anything. And then she's like, I thought whenever Mandalorian said they were going to do something, they were true to their word or something like that. Like digging it. Yeah. Him for being a failure. <laughs> yeah. And he's I like, fucking fine and yeah. goes to start repairing the ship yep uh and he has uh yoda baby with him and we see a few hours have passed again and uh the frog lady is nowhere to be found uh but baby yoda looks around the ship mando follows him and he's like hey what's up and he sees that the uh, there's a trail leading from the ship off somewhere and immediately he starts to fall mando and baby yoda start following it because it's the frog lady's uh uh, footprints, they're just not sure why she went off in that way. The Grogu doesn't know why. Manda doesn't know why, so they start following it. They end up in like this big open cave area with like this hot spring in it. And the frog lady is naked in this uh, hot spring with all her offspring floating around her. Just yep. She's basically nurturing them just like in this like healing hot spring type thing. Uh, I guess just enjoying the company of these eggs if you will uh and immediately mando is like what the fuck are you doing here it's not the time for this we need to get the fuck out of here so how about we start gathering up these eggs right fucking now uh they start arguing back and forth but then we hold on baby yoda and he sees these little almost like sacks that stick straight up well he sees the eggs first floating there and he goes to reach for one yeah and Mando's like, no, no, no. Yeah. He doesn't say why. He just points at him like, no. 
And then ba- we see Baby Yoda like, oh man. And then he just saw. I really wanted to genocide. <laughs> yeah. mm. uh, but yeah, then he gets these like uh, sacks that si- stick straight up. Uh, and we see him, there are like hundreds of them all around him, but he sees one nearby. It doesn't move or anything. He just rips it open. Baby Yoda does. And he sees like there's like yellowish greenish goo in there along with some sort of like entity. He reaches up. It's some sort of like spider like thing. And Baby Yoda just eats it whole. Nom, nom, nom. Just starts munching on the fucking thing. Scooping out what's ever left inside. Just eating the fuck out of it. And at that same instance, we see all the other sacks around him start to like move and open up like aliens uh, like Xenomorph, like the the face huggers from Aliens, mm. uh, they start opening up, and uh, we see that these are spiders that look like skin tags, almost. Yeah. Uh, but they are called uh, Kricknas. It's the name of the spider, and uh, we just see all these little baby spiders uh, start to emerge from their sacks. And at that same instance, we see that uh, Mando and Frog Later are still arguing, but they hear the commotion happening. And they look to their uh, right or lefts, and uh, they see that all these spiders are emerging. And then we see all these other spiders from inside the cave, deep inside. Yeah, slightly bigger ones. All of varying sizes. We see a little bit bigger. We see, like, fucking teenager size. And then we see one monstrous fucking one come out of the fucking caves. It snarls at them. They all freak out, get all the eggs back into the little container. Uh, Frog Lady uses her tongue to get her outfit back onto her body. And then they all just start hauling ass away from these spiders. Mando shooting at all of them as he as best he can. Uh, we see the big spiders just trailing right behind them. Mm-hmm. We see the Frog Lady get down on all fours and basically just hop. run and hop as she is trying to get away from these people. Trying to figure out what happens to the big spider for the time being. I know, I think it, I think Mando uses a few grenades, tosses it at the big spider. It explodes and also opens up like a cavern underneath the spider and it goes down yeah. into the cavern. Yep. Just all these rocks end up on top of this spider. Uh, and, but there's still uh, thousands of little spiders of varying sizes still coming after them. They start hauling ass. They get back into the Razor Crest. They try to close up as best they can the initial, like, open uh, side, but it's not working. So they're still firing at things. Amanda's using his fire gauntlet, just trying to take out as many as possible. They get the idea of just basically hauling ass into the cockpit. They uh, attempt to close it a few times, uh, but they can't. So Amanda just uses his entire uh, fire gauntlet to basically just obliterate the ones that are at the door. It closes. And now they're all trying to figure out how to get the fuck out of here. We see that Mando is able to re- has been able to repair the ship in some manner. So he attempts... Enough, enough that he could... Get out of the off. area that they're in, yeah. at the very least. He's about to take off. It looks like everything is about to work out for them, for the most part. And then, bam! Right on top of them. An even bigger fucking spider comes out of fucking nowhere. And just starts hammering on the cockpit, trying to get into them. Trying to just devour them in some manner. Yeah, it shatters... One of the pieces of glass, yeah, and is like going to go down through the main piece to actually hit um Mando, yeah, and it's like, oh fuck, this is the end, and all of a sudden you see blasters firing, yep, X-wing blasters are, well, not X-wings, they're outside of their X-wings at this point. They're yeah. standing in their cockpits with the big ass guns, yep, and they are just laying waste to every fucking spider, including the big fucking one. 
Uh, as uh, every fucking spider has been cleared out completely, we see Mando slowly make his way out of the Razor Crest, and we see just spider webs all over the fucking place. Yep. Uh, Mando gets outside of the ship and then sees the two X-Wings that were following him. Uh, this is Dave Filoni and the, what's his name? Uh, Paul Sung Hong Lee. Uh, Paul is, uh, he's an Asian actor who uh, you've seen in like uh, Kim's Convenience, I think is the name of the show. Uh, he's this prolific actor. You've seen him in numerous fucking things. But he's also a huge Star Wars fan. Like mm-hmm. he's built his own outfits before he got this role. His own outfits type Star Wars fan. And Dave Filoni obviously is uh, one of the heir apparents for the Star Wars lore, if you will. And he play, uh, Dave Filoni plays a character named Trapper Wolf, and Paul plays a character named Carson Tiva. So all the spiders are taken care of. Mando has come out, and he's like, hey, what's what's up? What's up, guys? And immediately the guys are like, oh, it or, looks like you... No, they're like, he's like, hey, am I under arrest? Yeah. And they're like, well, you probably fucking should be. Yeah. But... But we got reports of uh, the Razor Crest being at that prison colony, but we also got reports, uh, or we saw on the video feed, of you trying to save the life of one of our officers, that guy that you tried to save whenever they were uh, making that uh, prisoner heist in and the last yes, season. Yes, one prisoner escaped, but we were able to capture three others that were on the New Republic's most wanted list or something like that. Yeah. And, and they, like, they came with a hefty bounty and everything. So. He's like, so how about I, uh, he's like, they're like, and we're pretty sure that was you. And he's like, well, yeah. He's like, so how about I, uh, forgo the bounty on them and you, uh, help me fix my ship so I can get the <laughs> hell out of here. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, or, uh, we cannot arrest you. Yes. And you get that transponder fixed. And you get that transponder fixed. And he's like, all right. And then they fuck off. Yeah. And he's like, well, shit. Yeah. Uh, and then he comes up with a plan. He tells Frog Lady and Baby Yoda. He's like, look, I can't really do much for what's in the cargo hold. We're fucked until we get somewhere where we can actually make repairs to the ship. So what I can do is I can pressurize the main uh, cockpit. So that way we'll be fine. It's just be a bit of a tight fit for all of us. So you just have to make do until we get to Trask. So we see him take a few minutes to basically just seal up the entire area of the cockpit. They get up off the planet and into space, and we just see it just limping along through space. Like pieces are falling off of it as Mm. it goes towards Trask. Cut to end of credits. Uh, Next episode, uh, Chapter 11, The Harris, directed by... Uh, Bryce Dallas Howard and written by John Favreau. And immediately this episode starts off with the uh, ship trying to drop out of space into uh, the atmosphere of Trask. And uh, whenever the, uh, the episode initially came out, somebody made the comparison of Apollo 13, like some of the shots in Apollo 13, and in this shot as well with like the, the liquid around the uh, uh, instruments as it's uh, falling out of the sky, yeah. the, the the fire erupting around the window and everything. It's very similar to Apollo 13. Now, uh, the only reason they made that comparison is because of Bryce Dallas Howard's father. He directed Apollo 13, Ron Howard. Right. And then she directed this episode. And she immediately called out that tweet. And she's like, that's exactly right. That's what I was trying to do uh, during this entire episode. Just make uh, 
uh, comparisons between the two. So I always found that fucking fascinating. But we see the, it trying to drop out of uh, uh, out of uh, space into this uh, planet's atmosphere, and immediately Mando's like, "Look, I can't control any of this. We're just gonna have to fall as best we can. I'll try to fucking uh, slow us down the closer we get, but <laughs> this is gonna be a fucking rough. Right, landing. it's gonna be bumpy, a bumpy landing. Uh, we just see it just drop out of the sky. We see them being hailed by the comm tower, basically being like, "Hey, you're coming in too fast, too fucking fast. Slow the fuck down. You're coming in too fast." And they keep saying that over and over again. Immediately, or not immediately, but at some point, uh, Mando, Mando shuts it off. Well, Mando keeps telling him, "It's like, yes, I hear you and I understand, but what I'm telling you is." I can't. Yep. Uh, he eventually gets to a landing pad, and he's about a couple hundred feet above it. He's like, all right, we're going to slow down now. We should be able to ma- land on this pad safe and sound. It looks like he's going to land on the pad, and then something happens where something just like breaks apart, and it jolts to the side, and they land into the water, yep. uh, <laughs> immediately sinking to the ground. Obviously, this the uh, the cabin is pressurized, so nothing happens to them. Cut to a few seconds later, and we see the Razor Crest. And you see... Um what the hell are they called? Mon, uh, Mon, Mon Calamari. Yeah, Mon in a, Calamari. In a cable knit sweatshirt. I don't know why, but that's something I always needed. I just didn't know I needed it until I right, saw until it. Right, until you saw it. <laughs> and he's just like, fucking tourists. Like, <laughs> yeah. God damn, can't trust people to do fucking anything. <laughs> right. uh, you see like a big, uh, like it's got the like crane. legs of an AT-AT, uh, but like a crane body. Yeah, hoisting the uh, razor crest Basically, out of the water. Basically, it looks like a shipping crane in yes. like shipping yards and stuff yeah. in the real world w- with ATAT with legs. ATAT legs that's able to like walk, walk in the water and shit. Yeah, uh, they uh, take the razor crest out of the water and put it properly on the landing pad. <laughs> See, this is how you're supposed to do it. <laughs> yes. You fucking retard. <laughs> right. Uh, they. Get- I bet you've never even kissed a girl. <laughs> right. They get out of the cockpit. They get up to the Mon Calamari. They said, fucking tourist. Uh, and Mandalorian's like, can you repair it? And the Mon Calamari is like, look, I can fix it. It's like, I can try as best as I can. And I'll put fuel in it if the thing still takes fuel. But that's the best I can offer. And Mandalorian's like, all right, whatever. He doesn't know what repairs he's going to make. Just knows he's going to make it in some manner. Uh, he tells the frog lady, he's like, all right, so where's your husband? She starts looking around for him. She doesn't find him at first. And then she hears off in the distance his yell. She turns around. She sees him. <laughs> and then the goofiest fucking like, hey, I see you. We just hear, ah! as they run towards one another. <laughs> So the girlfriend watched season two with me because she hadn't seen it yet. And she fucking cried. <laughs> She's like, it's just so sweet. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding? It's fucking frogs screaming at each other. Like, Well, it is a, a sweet moment. I don't know if it's cry worthy. Yeah, she's just like, <laughs> like tearing up. I'm like, are you fucking for real right now? Like... <laughs> ridiculous uh but yeah they they hug and embrace one another mando comes up behind him with the the floating pram right beside him with baby yoda uh frog lady shows man frog uh his uh offspring we see baby yoda like whimper because now he can't kill this entire can't, brood can't fucking eat them all <laughs> uh mando's like i know i know you're hungry and then Mando uh, we'll, shakes, get you, we'll get you something to eat. Shakes the hand of Man Frog or Frogman or whatever the fuck his name is, uh, and he's like, "Look, I was told that you knew of people of my people, people that look like me." 
and uh, Manfrog points to the nearby uh, inn and directs him towards that way. And Man is like, so in the inn, and we see the frog man shake his head. He fucks off from the frog couple and goes into the inn. And then in the inn... Enjoy your fertilizing. Yes. In the end, we see like quarians and Mon Calamari, a few humans, just a, a mixture of people. They get to a table, sit at the table. We see a Mon Calamari approach them. He's like, "What will it be?" Uh, Mando says, "Nothing for me, but uh, we'll take uh, your special chowder or whatever your, the fuck your soup of the day." Yeah, basically. And uh, Mon Calamari is like, "Look, these seats are very rare." So if you're gonna sit at them, you have to order something. And Ma- and Mando's like, look, I'm not gonna order anything. Just make sure you bring the child for the kid. I don't want any food, but maybe I can buy some information. Yes, and, and he hit, some credits. He lays down the Mon Calamari flan that he got from the first season, and the Mon Calamari just takes it. And he's like, all right, what do you need? And he's like, look, I'm looking for people, my people. And we should also mention that there was a someone in a cloak nearby on the dock where Mando was having the conversation with the frog people. Yeah, watching him. And so cut to back in the end, and Mon- Calamari, uh, Mando says, I'm looking for my people, people that look like me. Do you know of any? I've heard that there are, they're here on this planet, I just don't know where. And uh, the Mon Calamari is like, look, I know of a quarian that should be able to help you. And uh, he f- the Mon Calamari fucks off, he's nearby, talks to a quarian, the quarian comes up to Mando, and he's like, look, I hear you're looking for your people. And Mando's like, yeah, do you know where they are? And the quarian's like, yeah. It'll just, uh, you have to come with me on a bit of a boat ride, and we'll get there in a day's time. And Mando's like, all right, cut to. Well, we also get a scene of, um, like, Baby Yoda yeah. looking at this porridge, like, I don't want to fucking eat this shit. Like, I want to eat frog babies. <laughs> like, this, is, this looks gross. And he, like, sticks his spoon in it, and then a fucking, like, squid thing pops, pops out and is, like, attached to his face. <laughs> And he's like, oh, it's gross. It's on me. <laughs> yes. And Mando takes out his uh, vibro little blade. vibro blade and like pokes one of its tentacles and it falls back in the soup. And he's like, don't play with your food. <laughs> yes. We get, as he's having the conversation with the quarry and we see that uh, Baby Yoda has eventually eaten right. the squid because we see the tentacle getting sucked back into Baby Yoda's mouth. Um, but yeah, uh, cut to them on the boat with the Quarians. It's just an entire boat of Quarians, some sort of like fisherman boat. Uh, and he's telling Mando, "Have you ever seen a mama core before?" And Mando's like, "No, I've never. I have no idea what you're talking about." He's like, "It's cool. We've got one right here. Helps us uh, gather up a bunch of the fish and stuff. So uh, why don't you bring the child over? And we're we'll- gonna we're gonna feed it, and like it'll be interesting for the kid to see it. So." Yeah. Uh, so we have the floating pram close to the opening where the mama core is, along with uh, Mando. And the Quarian's like, look, we just fed it this morning. We're going to feed it again. And it's uh, really rare that we get to feed it twice. And before he even gets to finish the sentence, he takes uh, like this fishing hook that he has in his hand and just knocks the floating pram into the open water in the ship. Uh, basically, it drops down in the thing. We just see like these uh, this open maw appear uh from under the water and yep. just swallow the pram whole. We see the pram close before it does swallow it whole, but it eats fucking the entire thing whole. Uh Mando jumps immediately into the water. Is like, "Yes, this is our oh, the best cars ours because they close up and so they want Mando for his best car." 
they want to take him, uh, take the best car away from him because yeah, well, it's highly say, valuable. They say, you know, we'll fucking drown him, and then the best car is ours. Yeah, because uh, the best car is very, and that's uh, that's the first guy at the beginning of the season wanted. He wanted his best car because it's highly valuable. It's worth a ton of fucking money. Right, and that's why they wanted to take out Mando. It's for the best car. Uh, and so do these quarians, and as he's trying to figure out a way to get back to get Baby Yoda and get out of the sit safe and sound, uh, we just see the uh, Mando drop below the water. He's breathing heavy. He's not able to make it. They start poking at him to get back into the water to try he to drown. Firing him. his jetpack to like bring him back up to the surface, yes, so he can breathe. And they're like, "Oh, fuck that guy! Like poke him, yes, and send him back down." And he. Keeps doing it, and he does it, like, twice. And then the third time he surfaces, as he surfaces, you see three uh, people in blue Beskar Mandalorian armor land and just fucking wreck shop. Yep. They take out fucking everybody. They they kill everyone. We see one Mando open up the cage uh, and offer the hand to um, uh, Din and similar to what the Mandalorians did whenever he was a child. Uh, She says, here, take my hand, raises him up, and immediately he's like, get the child, get the child, gotta save the child, as he's breathing heavy. There's a child, and one of the other ones like, on it, and jumps into the uh, water. Um. And a few seconds pass. He keeps, he keeps saying, like, save the child, save the child. And one of them's like, relax, we've got it. Like, she's she's on it. And then you hear, pitu, pitu, pitu. Yep. And, uh, and some sort of, like, monster, like, snarl, and then it just stops completely. Thus, she killed it and uh, dug out Baby Yoda, I guess. Uh, but she emerges from the water, pops up out, and the pram is still, like, dented in. But they are able to rip the top off, and there's Baby Yoda, still alive, still breathing, perfectly fine. They hand it to Mando, and Mando is like, oh, thank God you're fucking... He doesn't say thank God, because there is no God in this universe, which is probably one of the reasons why I really enjoy it. But uh, they <laughs> they uh, they hand the baby back to uh, Mando, and immediately uh, Mando is just praising them, thanking them for saving the child, and... Uh, right when he is in the middle of this conversation, he's about to stand up, or he does stand up, and they immediately take off their helmets. Yep. And Mando stops talking completely. He's like, where... Stops, stops dead in his... Mid-sentence. Mid-sentence. He's like, in, in, a few seconds pass, and he's like, where did you get that Mandalorian armor? And uh, one of the things that is so fucking fascinating about uh, Bo-Katan Kreese is that it's played by Katie Sackhoff. Katie Sackhoff, fucking huge uh, nerd. Uh, like, I don't know if she's a nerd in her own right, but she's like uh, an, uh, a character that all nerds fucking love because she's uh, Starbuck in Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. Um, she's this fucking fascinating actress. Uh, but she also plays the voice of Bo-Katan Kreese in, in the animated, animated show. Uh, show. She's popped up here and there all over the place. In Rebels and in the Clone Wars as well. Um, so she's been in those, and so we got the actual actress that plays the voice as the actual actress that plays her on The Mandalorian. The only reason I'm mentioning that, A, it's really fucking fascinating, it's the first time they've ever done that, and B, so there was a huge fervor to get Ashley Eckstein, who plays Ahsoka Tano, in the Clone Wars series and uh, Rebel series as well, but for whatever reason, they got, which I'm fine with, Rosario Dawson is a great fucking get for the Ahsoka Tano character. 
I think it would have been somewhat interesting to see Ashley Eckstein in the whole makeup and everything, being that right. she's been with the character since the beginning. Uh, I, uh, Dave Filoni is the one who introduces the live action of Ahsoka Tano with the Jedi episode. He's the one that writes and directs it. Ahsoka Tano is his character in all intents and purposes, but it's not his outright. It's right. still owned by Disney, but he came up with the character. Right. No one else has ever fucking written. It's his creation. Uh, uh, was it E.K. Johnson wrote an Ahsoka Tano novel after she gets kicked out of the Ed Jedi Academy, and even then she was constantly talking with Dave Filoni about how he would handle certain aspects right. of that novel. So... Um, it's a character that Dave Filoni constantly, uh, it's not like he's saying he has to, but it's, he's always requested, like, if you're going to do something with Ahsoka Tano, I would like to be involved in some manner, so, because it's his baby. Just talk to me. It's his baby, yeah, that's it. It's not like he's going to throw his weight around, he just wants to be kept in the loop, and now he's definitely going to be kept in Luke, or loop, because, what was it, like a year ago, he's made, like, creative director over all Lucasfilm properties. So everything that fucking happens when it comes to the comics, the uh, novels, video games, uh, TV shows, movies, he's going to be in those rooms as well talking about certain characters. So, yeah, he's definitely going to be involved in some manner. Um, That being said, we see Bo-Katan Kreese and her ilk take off their helmets and immediately Mando's like, give me that armor right fucking now. And Bo-Katan is like, look, I come from Clan Kreese. It's my family's armor. It's not fucking happening. And then Mando's like, but you took off your helmet. Well, he says, you're not Mandalorians. You took off your helmet. And she's like, oh, great. You're one of those people. Yep. And then she, he's like, what do you mean one of those people? And she's like, well, you're a child of the Watch. They are a zealot group that nearly destroyed all of Mandalorian kind because of their teachings. And uh, <laughs> uh, that's not going to happen now. Cause you didn't. They didn't evolve with the times. Yep. They're they're the people that are like, well, we've always done it this way. Yeah, and that's what almost led to, or that's what led to the fall of Mandalore. Yeah. One of the stuff. reasons, yeah, yeah. And he's like, no, fuck you guys, I'm out. Yeah. And jetpacks off. He basically tells him stay out of his way, and then yeah, he fucks off with Baby Yoda in uh, in the air with his jetpack. Cut to uh, some time later, and he, he watches he watches them blow up the ship. Yeah. And then jetpack off, or jetpack off as they blow up the ship, and he's like, "Fucking, fucking embarrassing." <laughs> yeah, so, uh, I just say that, but he has that look about him, like his whole body language is like, "Yeah, fuck these guys." As he walks away, um, he uh, it's sometime later. It's like in the middle of the night, and he's walking through like all these like different like shipping crates and stuff. And as he making his way through it, we hear a quarry and say, "You killed my brother." And then uh, with this quarry, it's like. 10 other men and they're about to fuck up Mandalorian the Din Djarin uh, like no other and they're about to fucking attack him Din is about ready to fucking get into a fight he's like what no I didn't and he's like yeah you killed my brother and now I'm going to kill your pet yep and then at that same instance those three Mandalorians Bo-Katan uh, oh, what was her name Casca Reeves and Axe Wolves come descending from the uh, sky and land right beside Mando and Bo-Katan in the most badass way. It's like, he didn't kill your brother. I, I did. did. <laughs> and then just lays waste to all these motherfuckers. Mando doesn't do a thing. It's just the three of them just laying out all these fucking Quarians, uh, Mon Calamari humans. Just all of them taken out. I think it's just Quarians. Is it just Quarians? I think so. Uh, anyway. Uh, but they finish the fight and they look at Mando. He's like, look, can I buy you a drink? 
And uh, he, I guess he agrees because we cut to some time later. And there's Bo-Katan sitting with Mando along with Casca and Axe. And Bo-Katan is telling them. Oh, God, what is it? What is she saying? He's like, why? She asks him why or why he was looking for them. That's right. And he's like, I've been tasked to uh, bring this person back to his people, like the Jedi. I don't know anything about them. Like, so I was looking for, you know, some more Mandalorians to potentially help me on my quest to reunite this foundling with his people. people. And she's like, Oh yeah. Jedi. I know him. I know one. I know of one. I know of one. He's like, that's great. Can you tell me? And she's like, no. <laughs> yeah. Like, there needs to be some tit for tat. Like, I'll tell you all about her if you help me with this job I've got to do. Yep. <laughs> and, okay, what's the job? And she kind of explains everything to him. They're going to um, hit a Imperial Gozanti freighter. Yep, that is housing weapons that she plans to take to help her take back Mandalore. Mandalore. Yep. And he's like, I don't know why you want to go there. That planet is cursed. Like, there's nothing good that comes from there. Mm -hmm. Like, going back there does nothing except fucking kill you. Yep. And she's like, well, I'm going to restore it, and the way that I need to restore it is by getting the weaponry that is on this freighter, so we need your help. You help us get the freighter, then we'll, or I'll tell you where the Jedi is. And he's like, all right. Fine. Takes baby Yoda to the frog people who now have a amphibian child. Is it is it here that it's in the bowl or is that later? I think it's later. Is it later? Yeah. I think it just hatches here. Okay. Because like you see in the tank it hatches. Yeah. You see Baby Yoda like watch it hatch and he's like, Oh now they're not good anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He does have this look like, God damn it. Um, but he's like, Will you watch him? And they kind of They like, agree. They agree. And he's like, All right, behave. You, you know, know what, what I'm I mean. talking about. <laughs> Means don't eat their children. Don't eat the babies. <laughs> and he's like, fucking fine, I guess, whatever. Yeah. Uh, so the plan is is to get onto this uh, the freighter, uh, take the weapons, or at least that's what they tell Mandalorian, is take the weapons and kill all the Imperials on board. Um, uh, so they end up, they use their all, they all have jetpacks. They all get up on the they, ship. Uh, they say that this thing can't jump to hyperspace until it's outside of the, uh, yeah, because of where it's located. Yeah. And because of all the high traffic, they can't, they have to go at very slow, slow speeds in order to get up into like sub orbit. Basically they have to trawl out of the Harbor. Yes. That is this planet. Very much so. Uh, and so they have this, uh, small window of time, but they can get it done if they work fast uh so they all sneak up onto the ship and they just start laying out motherfuckers they see stormtroopers they don't even hesitate fucking laying them out left right and center they get to the main cargo hold and at this point we cut to uh the uh a cockpit where uh an officer and two uh pilots are and the officer is played by titus wellover fantastic fucking actor 
Uh, if you ever want to see any of his work, check out Deadwood. Where you can also see Timothy Oliphant. Uh-huh. Uh, there's a the the bartender Weequay. Um, I can't remember the name of the actor, but he plays Al Swearingen's right hand man, the guy with the long black hair. Okay. A uh, big guy. I can't yeah. remember his fucking name, but he plays the Weequay in the bar. So Timothy Oliphant, who plays um, Bullock in Deadwood, mm-hmm. and this guy, it's just a nice little. A moment with those two actors, but we also get Titus Welliver, who plays a character in Deadwood as well. Uh, I haven't watched it yet, but I've heard fucking phenomenal things. It's called Bosch, 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 uh, on Amazon Prime. I've heard fucking. Fantastic I've watched. Things. I've watched the first season. It is pretty good. Um, so go check out his work. He's a fucking amazing actor. Uh, he is basically he's getting word that the uh, entire uh, ship is being attacked by Mandalorians. Uh, and well, no, they don't know who it is at first. Okay, and they're like, somebody's attacking us, and they're like, how many are there? And the stormtroopers like, there's got to be like ten or twenty. Yeah. And the pilot's like, um, we just did a sweep for life life signs. There's four, yeah. and they're like, oh shit, they're Mandalorians. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the officer's like okay well you know what you have to do and stuff talking to another officer who's down in the cargo bay and he's like you know protect the cargo and he's like all right we'll protect the cargo and they uh they get him down there and uh the officer starts to panic and it's like close the blast doors close the blast doors and they close them in and he the officer Titus Welliver's character is like it's like okay uh so what's going on down there like what's the status and the guy's like oh it's it's fine we got him trapped and he's like oh, you've got him trapped he's like yeah in the uh the cargo the, the hallway for the cargo area the, the they closed cargo cargo control area yeah. and he's like you have him trapped where and he's like the cargo control area and he's like, like you can just you, see the exasperation on his face. Like, like you fucking you idiot. You fucking idiot as uh, they hit the controls for the cargo bay and yes. open the fucking doors and suck out <laughs> everybody everybody <laughs> that's in there. Yeah. And he's just like, go ahead and fucking jump to hyperspace. And the pilot's like, we fucking can't. And the officer's like, I fucking told you to do it now. Yep. And they're like, okay, well, I guess we're going to fucking do it now, even though we're not supposed to. And, you know, we're breaking the fucking rules. And, you know, rules are important because if you don't have rules, you don't have anything. That's the whole fucking empire thing. Blah, he's blah, like, blah. He's like, fucking listen to me. I bet you don't even kiss girls. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he's like, you're right. I kiss boys. What now, motherfucker? What now? It's <laughs> a long, long time ago in the galaxy far, far away. You can't tell me what to do. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, they tell uh, the officer tells him to basically haul ass out of here so they can uh, fucking jump to hyperspace. Uh, and we see that the ship starts picking up speed. Bo-Katan says, uh, before they even realize it picks up speed, they're in the cargo hold area and they're looking at all the weapons. And He's like, uh, Mando's like, great, okay, so I helped you get the weapons. Um, where's the Jedi at? And she's like, well. Yeah, and at that same instance, we see the Titus Welliver character is like, hey, uh, trying to get a hold of any of his men on comms to try to get some sort of read of the situation. And then we hear Bo Katan on it. He's like, uh, there's nobody here left. Uh, it's just you and I, bud. Uh, so uh, we'll be there in a second. We're going to take control of the ship. 
in just a few minutes. And then immediately Mando's like, I'm sorry, what are we what, doing? What are we doing? And he's like, Bo-Katan is like, yeah, there's, we're gonna, we need the ship to help us take control of Mandalore. So, yeah, we're going to take over the ship. And Mandal- Ma- uh, Din is like, that wasn't the fucking that plan. That wasn't part of the plan. And then Bo just like looks at him like, mm, this is the way. And then fucks off. <laughs> <laughs> this is the way. I get what I want. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, they get to the main cargo area, or the, the main uh, level for the, co- uh, the cockpit. As uh, they're in this long hallway, we just see like uh, like 10, 20 stormtroopers at the other end just firing at them. So the idea is to keep it on the ship on track, keep Mando on track so he's not away from the child for too long. So they need to stop the ship from entering hyperspace and getting away from Trask altogether. So they need to keep the ship here. So they're working, they're fighting against time, trying to figure out a way. And then uh, what is the plan? I think Mando takes two of the bombs around his waist he's like just cover me and then he just hauls ass from one end to the other and then at the last second as the bombs are about to go off in his hands he throws them towards the stormtroopers and then uh, all of them just get obliterated by this bomb yep. you see bodies being thrown all over the place they open the door for the main cockpit they take out the officers um <clears throat> or no uh so before the cockpit is taken over by them the officer gets a or takes a call from moff gideon it was like, yeah, we need some backup. Like right now. Like right now. Um we're we were gonna, you know, leave, but now they have the weapons and basically everybody's dead except for us. And Moff Gideon's like, Oh well, that's unfortunate. If everybody's already dead, there's no use coming to help you. Like, I'm not going to come help you. So you know what you have to do. For the glory of the Empire. And he's like, yeah. And immediately. And immediately fucking executes the two pilots. Two pilots, yep. And takes control and starts diving towards the planet yeah, again. to crash the planet. To crash the... Crash the ship and everything. Yep. Um, that's what they're working against time. Not to get away from the planet. They're working against time to keep the plant Or to keep the ship from crashing into the surface. That's it. Um, and as they get to the cockpit, they basically knock him out and Mando and one of the, or Din and one of the other Mandalorians take the controls for the ship and, uh, point the nose up towards the sky at the last fucking possible second. Uh, they level it out and then. While Bo-Katan is. Interrogating. Interrogating. Uh, this officer. officer. And she's like, so where is he? And the officer's like, I don't know who you're talking about. He's like, yeah, you do. You know he has the Darksaber. I want the fucking Darksaber. Where the fuck is he? And then the guy's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, I think he says, like... You'll get nothing from me or something. Yeah, and then he says, for the Empire or some shit like that. Yeah, for the Empire and... Then he uh, clamps down on his jaw. Yeah, bites the suicide capsule that he has in his tooth. Which is just like a taser. electrocutes him. Yeah, yeah, something. And it just fries him and he dies. Bo drops him, and then uh, basically she got has the ship, but doesn't get the information that she directly wanted about uh, Moff Gideon, mm-hmm. about getting the dark saber back. So she, it's a bit of a double edged sword for her, uh, bittersweet, if you will. Uh, but uh, Mando is like, "All right, I helped you get the ship. You got your cargo. Um, where is this fucking Jedi you were talking about?" And then uh, Bo Katan is like, "Look." Uh, she's on the planet Corvus. Just she should be able to help you in some manner. I don't know if she'll be able to train Grogu or the the child, but she should be able to help you in some manner. And just tell she's her she's the only Jedi I know. And just tell her Bo Katan sent you. She'll know what that means. 
and you should be fine. And Mando's like, thank you. And then she says in a very, like, I respect you, this is the way type manner. She says, this is the way, and, like, does, like, a little bow as he fucks off. Uh, cut to some time later, he picks up Baby Yoda from the frog people, and they now have a fully-fledged, like, amphibian child in, like, a bowl right. as they're watching over it. Baby Yoda is watching over it as well. Um, I think he's just figuring out six different ways to cook this little shit. You got shrimp scampi, you got <laughs> shrimp jubilee. <laughs> Turns into fucking Bubba Gump. <laughs> right. uh, he takes Baby Yoda. He says, basically, is very excited to see Baby Yoda. Congratulates the new parents and then fucks off. And Baby he, Yoda's like, no, I want to stay. I'm yeah. a, look, it's a fuck. We, we, see, we see Baby Yoda starting to whine a bit as he's being taken away. Like you would. We, every parent has been in that instance where the child just gets dead set on being somewhere. No, I want to stay. And you pick them up to leave and they just lose their fucking shit. Every parent has fucking dealt with that. It's just something that, for whatever reason, children are petulant little fuck idiots. <laughs> Uh, That's fair. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he takes uh, Baby Yoda away, and they get back on, or they get back outside their ship, and they see the work that the Mon Calamari has done. And you just see nets. It's, it's not great. You just see nets and uh, shipping lines and just makeshift metal just tatted all over the place. As best as it fucking could possibly be, they get inside the ship, and there's just fucking. Sea life and fucking rope and more netting all over the fucking place. They get to the main cockpit and it's just seaweed. It's just a mess at this point. Uh, They are able to start up the engines. The ship is still hobbling along, but it's doing better than what it was. And Mando's like, look, we need to get the ship properly repaired before, before we do we anything try else. try to go anywhere. Uh, we see, like, a big, nasty, like, squid thing descend from above Baby Yoda. Mando, without even, like, right breaking the, a stride. Right at the last second. Grabs, grabs it. it in midair. Uh, I'm assuming kills it, because we cut two seconds later as the ship raises up into the air. Cut back to inside the cockpit, and Baby Yoda is eating, eating it, the slurping thing. Slurping it down. Uh, they jump to uh, hyperspace, and boom, that's the end of this episode. Cut to Chapter 12, The Siege, directed by Carl Weathers, written by uh, John Favreau. Uh, the last episode is 36 minutes long. This one is 40 minutes long. And uh, it starts off with Cara Dune. Just Cara Dune. Oh, I'm not even going to fucking lament about that shit anymore. Because it just bugs the crap out of me. But Cara Dune, Ryan. Mm-hmm. Just Cara Dune. Mm-hmm. As uh kicking ass and just laying waste to these Aqualish who have like all sorts of like uh, trinkets and paintings and just shit they've stolen. Yes, stolen goods. And as they're they're in the old Mandalorian uh, COVID. COVID. And uh, they hear something and one of them goes to check. They see that it's Cara Dune and they're like, ah, oh, it's the Marshal, it's the Marshal. And uh, she comes in, kicks all their asses. They were getting ready to eat this little weasel thing, and she's like, "You're free. Go, go ahead. Nobody's going to eat you today." And it's kind of like, "Yeah, give me some food, bitch." <laughs> and she's like, "Well, this is all I have," and like gives it this little pouch of food, collects all of the stolen goods, and fucks off up to the surface. Yep. Uh, 
cut to the opening credits, uh, Mandalorian chapter, was it 12? The Siege. And then we cut to Mandalorian limping along onto Navarro. Uh, we see that uh, Grief Karga and Cara Dune are there at the outskirts of town waiting for Mando because they knew that he would, they claw, his whatever uh, tower clocked the Razor Crest descending upon Navarro. Um, they get he, the <laughs> Razor Crest lands as best it can, and we see that the bay door opens up about halfway, and Grief Karga is like, ah, I see you need some repairs done. And Mando's like, yeah, just a fucking little bit. <laughs> yeah, how's my credit here? And Grief Cargo's like, yeah, it's it's fucking good here. He yells back to a few of his guys to basically repair the... I'll get my best people on it. Yeah, yells back for them to repair the Razor Crest as quickly as possible. Cut to... Uh, and we see that the town of Navarro is, is flourishing. Uh, everything's much better. Like, there's no stormtroopers. Nobody's in fear of fucking being murdered in the streets. Everything's doing a lot better. Everything looks pleasant in this town. And uh, Cara Dune and Grief Karga says as much. Since uh, uh, taking out the stormtroopers in this town, we've been able to just basically uh, bring up the... Uh, I, I can't remember exactly what they say, but it's we can bring up the... Uh, lifespan of these people i think is along the lines of what they say they basically they made the town better is what she said yep. and they get to the bar that they were all at that was just laid to waste by death troopers and the e-web from the last season and mando's like oh i'm surprised this place is still standing and he has baby yoda in like a sack off to the side oh we'll be even more surprised whenever we go in uh, they go in and it's a uh it's a classroom yes where the town's children are all Sitting there learning by protocol from a protocol droid. They they grief grief cargo is like, well, you know, your repairs are gonna take a little bit. There's something we could probably use your help with. And they go to leave Baby Yoda here and he's like, No, I don't where I go where I go he goes and Grief Cargo's like, Well, you're not gonna want him to go here. So just leave him here. Caradoon says, I promise he'll be safe here. Do you trust me? Do you trust me? And he's like, well, yeah, I fucking guess so. They set him down in like the third row of the classroom, and they fuck off, but we stick with Baby Yoda for a little bit. He sees a kid with some sort of like macaroon-type cookies. Yeah, it's like blue macaroons. Yeah, Uh, and Baby Yoda really wants them. He looks at the kid and basically makes like a sound like, hey, can I have some? And the kid's like, no, fuck you, and moves the cookies away from Well, no, it's like, it's a whole, like few fucking minutes of like the kid like looking at baby Yoda and yep Yoda looking at the kid and like ah and it's like what the fuck do you want and then he finally puts out his hand like I can has yes and the kid like looks like he's gonna say yes and it's like reaches down for one and then turns and looks at him is like no, and he eats, eats it. it. <laughs> and Baby Yoda's like, "You motherfucker!" <laughs> uh, the kid, are you, are you serious right now? Like, do you know who I am? Uh, uh, there have been wars fought over me. <laughs> yeah. like, I am goddamn Helen of Troy. Okay? <laughs> like, there are ballads about me. People look in my eyes and would immediately die for me. She's like. Give me the fucking cookies. Kid's like, no. Yeah. And we see uh, 
the kid goes back to doing like school things, but Baby Yoda does not lose his eyesight on those fucking cookies. Puts up his hand, and the kid goes to reach for another cookie, and the sleeve of cookies is gone. He's like, what the fuck happened? He looks over at Baby Yoda, who now has the sleeve of cookies, takes one out, and is like, bitch! (laughs) (laughs) And bites into the cookie. (laughs) Yes, very much so. I can only imagine that. That's essentially what he's saying. Because you hear him coo, but yeah, (laughs) before he takes a bite. So yeah, it's very possible. He just yells, bitch, and then takes a bite. Uh, cut to now Cara Dune, Grief Karga, and uh, Mando are all going to where like Cara Dune and Grief's main office is. And we see the Mithril, played by Horatio Sands from the first episode of the cold open of Mandalorian. And he's there helping them. He's being like some sort of like administrative assistant, secretary type thing. And it, the moment he sees Mandalorian, he shuts up. And then we just see like a ring of smoke appear from around his neck. Like he's nervous that he, he, he pissed himself. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but Mithriol's version of pissing himself. Mando's like, well, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and then Grief Karga is like, look, he used to work for me. He's the one that ran out on me. Uh, he, uh, he did my books for a long time and he was doing, he, he did a really good job up until he tried to fucking steal from me. Yes. Which is whenever I sent you after him. Um, but, and then uh, he interrupts and is like, but uh, Grief was gracious enough to, uh, instead of taking my head, allow me to work off my debt to him uh, through basically indentured servitude. Yeah. and It's like 300 and some odd yeah, years. Grief's like, yeah, it's only going to take, you know, 300 fucking years. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's, that's a long time. And then Mando says, if he ever gets out of line and takes off again, just give me a call. And we see the Mithril, like, swallow hard. Like, oh, like, oh fucking great. This guy will be coming after yeah. me again. I guess I'll just stay in line then. Uh, yeah, so they take uh, Mando, Grief, and Caradu, and they tell him, like, look, uh, we've been able to wipe out most of the stormtroopers on this planet, but there's still a, a, well, a they, nearby holdout. They hold bring out. up a map, and they're like, see this green area here? This is the safe zone on this planet, but there's still this. It's just a little base, uh, like a little forward operating post, nothing big that is still uh, Imperial presence. We want to go and take it out so that there is no Imperial uh, presence on this planet and we can become a shipping anchor for this entire sector where the New Republic will just come here and be able to branch out to the rest of this system, meaning that our planet will be... Double in revenue and uh, right. traffic make, and commerce. Make way more money, be safe. And we see that might be the case in the Season 3 trailer, because yeah. we see Grief Karga like, all decked out in garb with like a much nicer, bigger city that he's in, so shit's gone down for uh, Navarro, so... Uh, he, so Mando uh, reluctantly agrees because he knows he needs to take out the last of these stormtroopers to help out his friends. Uh, they're making repairs for the ship, so he's like, "All right, I'll help you." Uh, they uh, cut to the, uh, some time later, and they're in a speeder with the Mithril driving. Uh, Cara Dune and Grief Cargos with the Mandalorian. They get to the uh, what was it like this hidden door on like the outer ridge of the plant? That's not really hidden. Like, it's hidden by like uh, like lava rocks and shit. The 
Okay. It's it's just at the bottom, and everything else is up top. And Horatio Sands is like, so where do you want me to drop you guys off? And Grief Carrier is like, how about the front door? <laughs> he's like, oh, it's a little too close for me. Like, I don't really want to be that close. And he's like, I'll knock 100 years off your debt. And he's like, okay, front door it is. Yeah. And pulls up, like, right in front of the door. I just thought this was fucking hilarious. Because he pulls up like right in front of the door, and he's like, "This is as close as I can get." And it's like, "Well, yeah, it's, it's literally <laughs> right, there. literally right there. Yeah. Like, that's that's fine to not be able to get closer than that." Yep. Um, but they get out and start looking at it, and they're like, "Oh man, we can't get in. This fucking imperial piece of trash. It's not even. It's not even lava rated. <laughs> like they just they use cheap parts. And this this is why you always buy American <laughs> right. because this is just shit and." Uh, Jin is like, I don't have fucking time for this. And fucking Rocket packs up. And uh, while he fucks off, uh, Grief is talking to uh, the Quarian again. Mithril. With, or the Mithril. What's his name? Do you I don't think we ever get a name. Oh, okay. So the Mithril is... And he's like, listen, um, why don't you fucking come help us? And he's like, I, I don't know. Like, um... I'm pretty good, like, right here. I don't really like leaving my speeder. Like, this is, like, it's nice, so let's just keep it nice kind of thing. And he's like, oh, I'll knock another 30 years off your sentence. He's like, all right, fine, I'm coming. And he comes up and is uh, blasting the door. And you just hear, ah! <laughs> as the stormtrooper fucking lands behind them. Yeah. And the door opens because Mando had gone in and yep. uh, taken out a bunch of the guys already. Opened opened up the door. And so they all get in and he's like well, Are you coming with us? Horatio's <laughs> hands like, oh, actually, you know, like uh, my humidity vest is almost out. Like um, I'm you know, I don't want to get hot or anything. And he's like, Okay, well I guess you can fucking stay here or Cara Dune interjects at this point is like um let us know whenever the uh the lava tide comes in and we'll throw you a rope yeah. and he's like actually i think i might come with you yeah, guys yeah, like, that's that, right. sounds, that sounds like it might be a better idea <laughs> yeah. and so they all fucking get in the elevator and there's like fucking the awkward elevator imperial muzak <laughs> as it yeah. as it lifts up and they're all just kind of fucking standing there doors open they uh they're they're the way that they're going to destroy this is um, they're going to shut off the shield generators on the... Yeah, so that way they overheat. The the power of this place, causing it to overheat, which will cause an explosion uh, because they use thermonuclear energy yeah, or whatever, like that, and yeah. uh, they're using the lava to... Um, as a power source. As a power source yeah. for this place. And so they're just going to shut off the shield generators and fucking let it go. Yep. And um, they make their way to it, sneaking around and stuff, so they don't really engage in anybody. And they shut down the Yeah, there isn't a whole lot thing. of people here, except for maybe like a few scientists and maybe a handful of storm. Yeah, it doesn't seem like there's very many people here at all. And um, they get... They get to the place, they shut down the the stuff, and the plant's getting ready to explode. They're on their way back out, and they happen into, like, a... 
a like co- a lab area. Yeah, yeah. And a couple scientists are trying to purge the files on this computer. Right. And uh, they see, they hear that somebody's coming. And they're like, fuck it. And they just start smashing the shit out of the console. And uh, all four of them come in, take out the scientists. And then they're like, what were they doing? Yeah, what were they trying to destroy? And they see, like, there's bodies floating. Yeah, in, like, some sort of, like, containment vessels. There's, like, deformed bodies. Which lays into what happens in Rise of Skywalker and what happens to that prequel. Or not prequel, but sequel trilogy about palpatine and all that so because we see all these deformed bodies that look like something that you would see from exegol um which just lays into more like more myth building when it comes to like what's happening with uh palpatine but uh they start rummaging through the or the mithriol does start rummaging through the computer system and then comes up with a video file of dr pershing's um talking to moff gideon well Talking about um, they've used they've exhausted the rest of the supply of the the, the child's the blood. blood that they had on hand from the subject um, that no other subject will do because they won't find another one with such a high M count. Yes, that's a midi chlorian yep. reference, and uh, he's he's going to continue trying to figure out a way to make it work, but. This last test was the most promising. It lasted for like 18 hours or something like that. But um, we can't use or the we shouldn't use the volunteer yet, or he'll meet the same fate of of this. We still we need basically we need more of the blood because if we don't get more of the blood, then we won't be able to do any more tests, and this will be as far as we can go. Who do you think the volunteer is? I don't know. I kind of assumed that it was um, maybe, Palpatine. Maybe Snoke. Maybe there was original uh, a Snoke that actually existed, and they figured out how to clone him to maybe be as a vessel for Palpatine. I don't know. I have no idea who the vessel is, or the volunteer is. Don't know. Like, there's yeah, been that's, no that's never answered. Yeah. Um, but uh, then at the very end of the message, he says, "I will not fail you again, Moff Gideon." Yep, and this is the first time the three of them who took out Moff Gideon at the end of the last season realize, well, oh shit, no, Mando's like, okay, so that's old, yeah, because Moff Gideon is dead, and uh, Horatio is like, no, he's uh, this was just from a few days ago. This was just three days ago, and then Mando's like, okay, well, um, if he's still alive, that means I've got to go get the kid now. Caradoon tells him to jetpack away uh, because you'll be faster. Go ahead and split from us. We'll, you know, finish here and mm. and uh, and get out our own way. And he's like, okay, bet, and fucks off. Yep. And as he fucks off, uh, they get under fire from more stormtroopers. They end up back in, like, the loading bay. But on the way in, the mithril was like, hey, do you see this? This is a fully functioning troop transport troop transport like we could make a fortune with this on the black market and they're like no that's going to blow up with the rest of this base like that's the whole point yeah we don't want the black market influence here we want to be legit and he's like okay i guess like fine fine and they get trapped right by it um caradine says cover me she runs in and gets in pulls it up to them 
they get in. She goes to like drive forward through the base. The blast door is shut. She flips it around. She's like, "Well, I guess this is how we're doing it now," and just launches off of the the edge. Of the it. edge, and they're both like, "What the fuck are you doing?" Yeah. Bam! Lands on the Mithril's speeder. <laughs> yep, uh, crushing it, <laughs> absolutely decimating it. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, "Oh man, that was my," and they take off as the plant blows up and. Uh, well, a couple of scout troopers end up on uh, on speeder, speeder bike. bikes and behind haul them. ass behind them. Well, there's a bunch of them that all end up on speeder bikes and are fucking taking off. But on the way down, like three of them blow up because they can't drive. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, leaving like three. Yeah, just a couple of them. A two few or, of them. Two or three. Yeah. No, there's three. Um, and I want to say Moff Gideon, Grief Karga, <laughs> different characters. Yeah. Gets on the gun, blows one up. Um, the other two kind of flank the uh, the transport, and Cara Dune knocks one into a wall and blows him up. Yeah. The third one ends up off of his speeder bike on top of it and is getting ready to throw like a thermal detonator down in. And uh, Grief Karga turns the gun around and realizes that, like. All he can see is stormtrooper ass. Yeah. And he's like, I'm a fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> and blasts a laser right up his asshole, <laughs> knocks him off the front. And he's like, okay, I took care of it. As the base explodes and you see three TIE fighters take off. Yep. And start coming after them. Um, and uh, the Mithril's like, we did it! We're free and clear! And then you hear the TIE fighters as they approach. He's like, I guess I spoke too soon. <laughs> yeah. Um, Cargo gets back in the gun, blasts one of the TIE fighters mm-hmm. that then crashes into the back. He jumps out of the way as it crashes into the gun, rendering it useless. And yep. they go, oh, fuck, what are we going to do now? And then you see the Razor Crest show up and pew pew. Take out blow one. Up does he take out one? Yeah, he takes out the one and he's or, yeah, that's right. He following takes, the other he one. He takes out this one and the other one like fucks off into the sky. He follows behind it and blows it up and then comes back down and to them cheering like, yay, as they get back to town. Well, no. Uh, what's his name? Does it come back down? No, no, no. They they see him reemerge from the clouds. Oh, I see. As as they make it back to the town, mm. and then Griefkarg is like, "Hey, can I buy you a drink?" And he's like, "No, I've been here too long. Like, I need to go to this place. I need to get this done." Yep. And, Corvus is where he needs to go. And they say, "Okay, good luck, Godspeed, peace out, homie." <laughs> and he fucks off. Yep. Uh, cut to some time later, and uh, Carson Tiva is now on the planet asking uh, Grief Karga and Cara Dune about what just happened with the Imperial base. Um, and the Carson's like, so there's a Razor Crest that was here that helped you guys. And Grief Karga's like, I said nothing about a Razor Crest. And Carson's like, well, your transponder pinged that he was here at one point helping or doing something here. And Grief is like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Those things can't fucking tell anything apart yes. from pre-imperial days. Yeah. Like they wouldn't know a fucking nerf herder from a bantha shit. Yes. Like they don't know nothing. Yep. And he's like, "Okay, I see what you're doing." Yep. He slinks off, and then 
he uh, sees Cara Dune and he's like, look, I, I hear you're doing a lot of good here. Uh, shock trooper turned marshal. Uh, that's quite a story. Um, and she's like, look, if you're looking to have me join, I'm not well, a no, He says as much. He's like, you know, the the new Republic could uh, could use, use you. you. And she's like, I'm not a joiner. Like, I understand what you're trying to do. And he's like, I see you're from Alderaan. Like, I served during during Alderaan. I served during that time. And, you know, I'm sorry for your... Or, says did you lose anybody and she's like i lost everybody and he's like i understand i'm sorry for your losses um and then lays down like a medallion on a table yeah, nearby with some stripes on it yeah, yeah but indicating that it would be some sort of rank within the, um the new republic the new republic uh she just looks at it and this was supposed to be that series this is what the series was supposed to be uh that fucking Gina Carano was supposed to be the lead of is her uh, helping out the New Republic, figuring out ways to take out Imperial installations on different planets. And then, then there was going to be like this overarching story of her meeting up with people from Alderaan and there would be like a small grouping of Alderanians. And it was be this whole fucking story arc. This is rumors anyway. There's another been It's been confirmed. Right. But then she did what she yeah. did. Um, I don't want to get into it, but yeah. Then she fucked it all up. Um, anyway, uh, she, he lays it down, he fucks off, she looks at the metal, and then, boom, credits. Um, and then we go on to the next episode, which is the, it's just called The Jedi. It's, uh, uh, chapter 13, directed and written by Dave Filoni. It's 48 minutes long. And we start off this episode with just troopers going through this town, uh, going through this main, like, wall area, and then just looking for somebody. They don't know who. Well, you hear, you see somebody beating beating on a gong, yeah. thing, and uh, you see all these troopers in like a looks to be what used to be a forest, but it's like all dead trees and desiccated, and there's fucking yeah. Fog it's almost like someone everywhere. took took a, a tree, held it by his trunk, and then just scraped everything off the side of the tree. Yeah, and it's just the the. the Tall ass trunk with nothing else on it. Yeah, the dead. Well, the, I mean, there's some branches and stuff. Little, but they're. Bits. But it's all dead. Yeah, like dead wood. It it almost looks like um what, what the forest looks like after a forest fire. Yeah, kind of. Only these trees don't look burnt. Right, they're not burnt, but they're like look dead, and there's yeah. there's just an over abundance of fog and yeah. stuff, and you see all these troopers, uh, and you see two white lightsabers that keep lighting up and cutting these appearing out of the down. smoke and then yeah slicing motherfuckers disappearing then appearing somewhere else slicing motherfuckers and you see a guy that's holding like a shotgun blaster uh standing next to a woman who's holding a spear just standing there yep and um you see her continue to fucking cut down these uh these troopers outside and I, it says that they're speaking in an alien language, but they look like they're droids. Yeah. So I'm not sure exactly. These what guys they are, are not droids. I'm not sure what they're speaking. Uh, there are droids later on. There's a, right. a HK-87s, which is a play on the HK-47s from KOTOR, but it's just a, a later model of HKs. Right. Lightsabers keep lighting up yep. and then disappearing, and uh, makes quick work of all of the little guard things outside. Yeah. And uh, 
then the magistrate says, does she call her by name or does she just say, show yourself, Jedi? Yeah, I think it's just Jedi. And she lights up her lightsabers and basically says, you know, you're you're a bad person <laughs> and you're making the town suffer. Yeah, and you have information I want to know. Abdicate and tell me what I want to know or you die. Yep. Um, I'll give you till tomorrow till decide. Yep. And then she takes off the cloak as well. And we see that it's a live action version of a Sokotano. And I, I mean this with every ounce of my fiber rhyme. But if a Sokotano was an actual person that existed, not Rosario Dawson, but a Sokotano was an actual person that I could go and meet and be with. I would destroy my marriage for her. <laughs> so Greg just said that he wants to fuck a In a heartbeat. I want to see if the carpet matches the drapes. Yeah, I want to see that blue-white. <laughs> blue-white pubes. Right. Just a little, a little landing strip. Uh, but yeah, she basically gives him an ultimatum. I'll be back tomorrow. You best have an answer for me, or I'm just going to run right through you. Cut two. Uh, Mando has now landed on Corvus. Uh, he's getting a weird feeling here. He's not quite sure what. He's like, I don't know how to fucking find a Jedi. Like, let's go to town and find out. Let's figure this out from here. Uh, he gets to the uh, main wall for this town, and there is the character's name is Lang, played by Michael Bean. Uh, if you don't know who that is, he plays Kyle Reese in the Terminator movie. He's been on a few other things, but the Terminator movie is main. This thing, is big. Main thing that you would think of. I think he was in Terminator, or not Terminator, but uh, Titanic as well. Uh, a few other James Cameron things as well. Uh, but he is now playing this bounty or some sort of bounty hunter named Lang, and he's on the uh, like top ridge of this wall, and he's looking down at Mando, and he's like, "Hey, uh, what are you doing here?" And Mandalorian's like, "Look, I'm looking for somebody that can help me uh, figure out uh, where his people are." He points down to uh, the child. No, in- he doesn't. He doesn't expose the child here. I thought he did. No, the guy's like, "What are you? What are you doing?" He's oh, like, right. "I'm." I've been tracking for a few days. I need, you know, a place to recharge my batteries, basically. Mm. And he's like, oh, you're a hunter. And uh, as, or says, you know, are you with the guild? And Mando's like, last time I checked. Yeah. And he's like, hmm, we might be able to use you. Okay, go ahead and open the gate. Allows him into town. And he's walking through town like he normally would with any other town. He's just looking like a badass walking he, through town. And he walks up to a like street food vendor and is like, hey, I wanted to ask you. And the vendor's just like, nope. Not today. Yep. Doesn't even and say anything to him. Just walks the fuck away. We see everybody like scrambling to get away from the Mandalorian as best as possible. Right. And then uh, he walks up to this alley and he sees there's two little kids and an old Asian man. Yeah. And he's like, hey, um, what's going on? And the Asian's like, go, go quickly. And tells the kids to leave. And he's like, don't talk to them. Don't talk to any of us. Don't talk to any of us. Don't talk to me. Yeah. As, um, I think, two. Yeah, whatever these guards are. It's, two of the it's guards. never really explained. Yeah, two of the guards walk up behind him and is like, the magistrate would like to see you. Yeah. And the magistrate's name is Morgan uh, Elsbeth. 
That's her name. Yep. But we don't find that out yet. Yeah. She's just the magistrate. Um, he goes and talks to her, and as he like goes in, there's a guy that's in like a shot cage. There's several guys. There's a few of them, isn't well, there? Well, there's there's several in there, but only one guy speaks. Oh, yeah. Basically uh tells Mando that the magistrate is a bad person and is killing the town and don't trust her. Mm-hmm. And he keeps getting shocked every time he talks. Yeah. And uh Mando's like, all right, and then walks And through. these are not roomy cages. They they're these cages up on these poles that they are just constantly it's, standing yeah, in. It's, it's almost like uh crucif- uh crucifixion. Yeah, kinda. But with electricity instead of uh yeah. being nailed to a cross. But yeah, they're just standing there twenty four seven. if they move a certain way, they get shocked. They get shocked. If they do anything, they get shocked. Yeah. If they talk, they get shocked. Yep. If they scratch their nose, they probably get shocked. Probably. All I can imagine is, um, oh man, who is it? The guy that plays the uh, Colombian in Parks Parks and Rec. Oh, oh, uh, Frank, Fred Armisen. Yeah, Fred Armisen. Like, believe it or not, you pick your nose straight to jail. <laughs> you do anything straight to jail. <laughs> yes. Like, yeah. That's that's what happens. They just just do it. Get shocked. Get shocked. <laughs> yep. Um, uh, but yeah, they usher they, him to the. They magistrate. go through the gate. Closes the gate behind him, opens up the gate to the magistrate's area, and the town is all like run down and dingy mm-hmm. and stuff. But as soon as this gate opens, it's fucking beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's gorgeous. There's a bunch of water everywhere and stuff. It's almost like a Japanese and, painting. Yeah, and there's uh, there's two HK droids, um, and the magistrate standing in there. And the magistrate talks to him. And is like, oh, so you're a Mandalorian? He's like, yeah. And she's like, oh, what do you make of this? And hands him the spear that she was standing with in the opening mm-hmm. and he's looking at it looking at it like oh wow this is really nice and bangs it against his uh his wrist and it's like oh it's beskar and she's yeah. like yeah it's pure beskar and it makes like this deep resonating sound whenever the two beskars and hit each other she, she's like i have um an issue that you might be keen to help me with um i've got this problem with the jedi you know, your people are enemies of Jedi, so the enemy of my enemy is my friend, right? <laughs> yeah. And he's like, I don't know if you can afford me. Like, I'm expensive. Yes. <laughs> and she's like, well, you see this spear, right? It's pure Beskar, right? You people like Beskar, right? <laughs> he's like, I don't think you can afford me. She's like, I'll give you this spear if you kill the Jedi for me. Yep. And he's like... I'll take care of, or he doesn't agree to it. He said, I think he, he's, he says something like, I'll see what I can do. Yeah. That's pretty much what he says. He doesn't he, agree to, he doesn't, he doesn't say that he is going to kill yes, the Jedi, but it's an answer her. enough for the magistrate right. to be like, well, he's going to take care of it. Right. So he fucks off out into the woods, looking woods for, her. looking for, her. um, walking around with Grogu for a while, sets Grogu down on a rock and it's like, okay, let's see what's going on, because he hears a noise, looks through his binoculars, finds out that it's just a like creature from yeah, a really this, tall creature this area, and he's like, okay, well, I guess, I guess there's nothing here, and then immediately, out of nowhere, out of nowhere, she jumps from like a tree or something. John Cena, and <laughs> <laughs> she dives down. Yeah. Fucking both lightsabers. Yeah, he uses both the gauntlets. He uses his gauntlets to deflect. 
as she just like mercilessly attacks him. Yeah. And he's like, wait, 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 fucking what? Ahsoka. <laughs> and she's like, oh, what the fuck? <laughs> he's like, Bo-Katan. You know me. my name? Bo-Katan sent me. We need to talk. And she looks at Grogu and it's like, I hope it's about him. Yeah. And, uh, and th- so she walks up to Grogu and then a few, uh, I must say, minutes or hours pass. And it's just Ahsoka sitting across from Grogu or the child. And they point. keep they keep fucking like looking at each other, like moving, cocking, their, cocking heads. their heads back and forth, like looking at each other. And uh, Mando's just fucking pacing back and forth. <laughs> yeah. Like, what the fuck is going on? Like, yeah. This is ridiculous. Uh, she gets up. Picks up uh, Grogu and uh, hands it back to Mando. And she basically says, like, look, he's got training. He's had training before. Before the Empire even came to be, he's had training. Uh, He grew up on Coruscant. uh, So thus indicating he was training in the Jedi Temple at the time of the siege in Episode 3. And she's like, I can try to train him, but I don't know. And well, Mando's... she says she refuses to train him. That's right. Because she can sense his fear and stuff like that, and um, she won't train him because she knows where that leads, obviously alluding to Vader mm. and stuff. So uh, he's like, well, but I've been tasked to bring him back to his people. You're his people, like... Do you need to fucking take him off my hands and train him and stuff so I can complete my quest? Like, this is what I'm supposed to do, and you're saying, no, you're the only Jedi I've ever found. Yeah. Like, you need to help. <laughs> you need to help me. And she's like, well, no, I've got to do some stuff here, and basically fills him in on everything about the magistrate and how she's a terrible person because her family... um built ships for the empire Mm. and that's how they made their money and they used it to garner position and now she's basically choking the life out of this world yeah and manda's like okay um well that sounds like it sucks she didn't seem like a great person but maybe it's worse than i thought and She's like, well, I know, I know something that might help you train. And she also reveals that uh, his name is Grogu. Yeah, she's like, well, Grogu here has been on Coruscant for some time, and he's like, Grogu, what's a Grogu? And, and like, as soon as he says Grogu, you see fucking Baby Yoda like, huh? huh? <laughs> Every time. Uh, but yeah, uh, he parks up it's, at his name. It's like whenever you call a dog by their name and they're like, what? You what? talking to me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and she says that that's his name. Grogu is his name. Uh, he says it a few more times. We see baby Yoda just, huh? And they're trying to have him like take a rock. Yeah. She's trying to assess at how bad his fear is compared to where he is with his training. And, uh, she asks him to take a, take the stone from her hand. And he raises his hand up, and he gets frustrated, and he's like, no, and puts his hand down. Well, no, he takes the stone and holds it. She's like, okay, send it back to me. Does he? Yeah. Because she has the oh, rock and pushes right. it to him, Yeah. and he collects it and is sitting there holding it, and then she's like, now send it back. 
And he like looks at it for a while and he's like, fuck it, it's too hard and yeah. throws it on and the that's ground. Right, yeah. <laughs> and uh, then uh she says, Well, why don't you try it? And he picks up the stone. It's like, take the stone, Grogu. Take the stone. He's like, see, it's it's too much. You can't do it. And it's like, well, he trusts you. He trusts you. Like, tap into that. Really listen. And he ditches the rock for the little ball, the metal ball from the control the lever, lever for the ship. And he's like, go ahead and take it. And he does. And he's like, okay, like that's great, but um. I still won't train him, but I know something that might help if you help me take care of this. Yep. Uh, so the plan and is they they do the the typical West Side Story like or Romeo and Juliet type thing. Like, who could imagine a Jedi and a Mandalorian <laughs> teaming up? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so the plan is is that he's gonna go in while she sneaks in and basically be her distraction, so that way she can get to the magistrate. I believe is what the plan is. No, he doesn't go in at all. She uh, goes in, takes his um, his pauldron. Oh, that's right. Cuts, yeah. cuts the gong in half, is standing in the middle of the town with yeah. like the magistrate standing there looking at her with all of her guards. And she just like, tosses, the pauldron. tosses the pauldron to the ground and is like, you failed. Yep. Uh, so Ahsoka, so, uh, Ahsoka, uh, Ahsoka tells the magistrate to go fuck herself. Basically, it's like, hey, your plan failed. Your Mandalorian failed. Fuck yeah. Yep. And the magistrate's like, fine, kill her. Yep. And, and then uh, she just runs through all the fucking. Uh, I, I don't think the HKs are part of it. No, the HKs are the ones, the main ones that are attacking Ahsoka in this. They're all attacking the guards Ahsoka. and uh, the HK units as well. As the magistrate yeah. just fucks off back to her little house area. What is Mando doing? He's just basically he doesn't show up yet, and she starts um, working her way through, killing off most of the people that are following following her. Mm-hmm. Like she takes out all the guards until it's just the main bounty hunter guy. Lang. Lang. And the two HKs. Then she kills one of the HKs. Lang tells the other one to get up on the roofs. And then we don't see him for a while. And then we don't see her or him for a while. Mando comes in and there's like two regular guards left. Kills them. Goes to free the people that are up in the cages. And the the Asian guy comes out to help him. Mm. Gets the people down. As Ahsoka climb or is up on the wall, like Lang comes out around from like the back of town, is like, "What the hell are you doing?" Yeah, and you see, I think he says, "Oh, so you've made your decision, decision, Mandalorian, or something like that, whatever the fuck." And sees that Ahsoka is standing on the wall, and he's standing like in front of the doors. It's a great shot. So like. Basically blocking for Ahsoka so she can confront the magistrate. Yep. She um, jumps over on the other side of the wall towards the magistrate. As uh, It's basically a standoff between Lang and the Mandalorian. Yep. And uh, Lang is like, you know what? You've won. I'm not even going to try. Well, he's like, it's like who, who's going to win, your side or mine? As they hear the battle taking place behind the wall. Yep. Uh, the battle goes on for a little bit. They fight back and forth. 
Uh, nobody really has the upper hand. Um, the magistrate ends up knocking one, knocking of the... one of the lightsabers out of Ahsoka's hand. She knocks the spear out, finally gaining the upper hand. Mm. Puts her other lightsaber to the throat and says, "You know, you've been like a des- very bad girl, des- destroying this world and yeah. stuff. Tell me where your." Uh, commander is master is or master and then she the girl doesn't and then she's like tell me where grand admiral thrawn is sorry i'm starting to fucking stretching at the same time as fucking trying to explain it so uh real quick we need to dabble into a few things about thrawn so the last time we seen thrawn at this moment of hearing about thrawn is is that uh him and ezra bridger were fighting on the bridge of a, a star destroyer and at the last second, whenever it looked like the Star Destroyer was going to get, uh, explode, uh, these entities that uh, uh, Edgar Bridger and his crew, the Rebel crew, helped come by and take Edra, e- Ezra and Grand Admiral Thrawn and take them away from where they are. They just get lost in space. We don't know where Ezra is. We don't know where Thrawn is. They're just out in space, lost, away from the Empire, away from the Rebels, just gone. And uh, uh, Ahsoka and... Uh, uh, Sloan, Sloan, another Mandalorian. I think it's, I can't remember her name exactly. Or Sabine, not Sloan. Sabine Wren are out looking for Ezra and more importantly, Grand Admiral Thrawn to try to stop him because he's uh, a formidable fucking enemy. Right. He learns everybody. He learns how anybody's going to attack through their art. He's a he's a fantastic strategist. Yes, he is incredibly hard to beat. They've beat him a few times, but he's learned from those mistakes. And by the time they get to this main battle at the end of the series for Rebels, it looks like all hope is lost until these entities that come in and help Ezra just take Ezra and Thrawn away from the battle. So it's like this whole thing where nobody knows where Ezra or Thrawn is. It's just gone. And then we hear Thrawn being brought up again in this series after the Empire has fallen. So we don't know what is going on, but we know that Thrawn is still alive in some manner. Mm-hmm. We just don't know where he is, or what, why she's working with Thrawn, why Ahsoka is still looking for Thrawn, what the fuck is going on. So that's And at that point, it flashes back out to uh, them out in the street. Yeah, Lang and Mando. And Lang's like, well, it sounds like your side won. He's like... And he, he's continuously walking closer to Mando. And it's like, you know, I I don't believe in fighting for a lost cause type thing. Like, And he shows his weapon and is going lowers to, it to the ground. Lowers it to the ground and Mando kind of takes his hand away from his blaster. And at the same time... Lang as, sees that he takes his hand as away. As soon as he... Like, basically prostrates himself. Yes, like mea copa. Um, down on the ground, he sees that Mando's relaxed his tension by his gun hand. He's like, ah, oh, I've got the upper hand. Draws a gun from his, like, boot or mm-hmm. something and is going to fire. Mando obviously fires first. Yes, he's and, a much quicker draw and it hits Lang right in the chest. Dead and center. Lang dies. Yep. And it's uh, about that time the Asian man. That yeah, the the old Asian guy that was talking to Mando earlier is now made, I guess, magistrate of the well, town? Well, no. He walks out towards Mando. At the same time, the other HK unit is up on the oh, roof. Right. 
is like, watch out behind you. And Mando quickly dispatches it and gives him like a knowing, like, hey, thanks for, you know, watching my back type nod. Uh, Ahsoka comes out. Everybody's cheering. The magistrate's been taken out. This guy is now the magistrate. The old guy, yeah. Um, They walk out of town and she says, okay, you know, a bet's a bet. Like, I told you I'd give you information if you help me. Here's the information. Go to... Tython. Tython. There's the ancient ruins of a Jedi temple there with a seeing stone. Yep. Put Grogu on the stone, and it will be his decision. If he reaches out with the Force... He'll connect to a Jedi. Some other Jedi will probably feel him and come to get him. Uh, if he doesn't, then he doesn't want to be trained any and, further. And then she, like, crests the side of Grogu's head and says, there aren't many Jedi out there. Thus indicating that not only with Ahsoka. Now, the idea with Ahsoka, I should also mention this, is that Ahsoka isn't really a Jedi. Um, not in the conventional sense of, like, uh, green or blue lightsaber. That's why she has a, lo- a white lightsaber. She's more in, like, this nebulous gray Jedi. She's not exactly a gray Jedi. She's not exactly a, an actual Jedi. So... Uh, at the end of the Clone Wars series, she is framed for the murder of several people in the Jedi Temple. Um, the only one that sticks behind her is, or the only two people that stick behind her is Anakin and Padme. They, uh, they, they fully believe that Ahsoka could not do something like this. But everyone else, every Jedi, every Jedi Temple guard, uh, every politician, uh, at one point Tarkin pops up in it. He believes that Ahsoka did it. So everyone thinks... That Ahsoka killed these people. Um, and by the end of it, they find out, no, it was another Jedi that basically is like, this war is bullshit. It's being fought for uh, petty reasons and doesn't believe that the war should continue. So she tried to figure out some way to try to stop the war from happening um, by framing another Jedi and then making Jedi go into like this big turmoil bullshit. Uh, but essentially what that Jedi did is basically, basically turn to the dark side. She is an evil uh, a person, but she tries to frame Ahsoka. And because of what happens with Ahsoka in Clone Wars, um, Ahsoka, they're like, hey, Ahsoka, we're so glad you were free and clear. And Ahsoka's like, yeah, I fucking told you I was. You should have fucking believed me. I've never once faltered from the Jedi Code in any fucking way. But the moment one fucking bump in the road fucking happens, this is what I get. This is bullshit. And Anakin tries to convince her to stay, and she's like, no, this is not for I'm me out. anymore. And walks away from the Jedi Temple. The Jedi Code, everything. And then she just wanders through until eventually she becomes part of the Rebel Alliance mm. and helps them. But she, until that time being, she uh, just has these makeshift lightsabers. The the, the katana looking uh, lightsabers with the white blades. Because she's not exactly a Jedi. She's not definitely not a Sith. She's like a, this nebulous, like, I'll do good if I need to. She's more like an anti-hero, if you will. Yeah. Um, so I, that's why I've always loved Ahsoka. She's a fucking like dynamic character with just like layers to her. Anyway, uh, they fuck off, uh, bomb off of, uh, Corvus end of credits onto the next scene. And it is episode 14, the tragedy directed by Robert Rodriguez and written by John Favreau. And, uh, the, this episode is 35 minutes long. It's not a super long episode. Uh, we should also mention, um, that back, Whenever he was taking out the stuff with Grief Karga, um, one of the people who was working on his ship put a tracking beacon on it. That's right. Uh, yeah, because we see at the end of that episode, he contacts uh, 
what is it, Moff Gideon and tells him that uh, the tracking beacon is on the ship. All they have he to do. still has the asset, as yep. they call him. And this is the, at the end of that episode, we do get the first uh, idea of like dark troopers being here because we see Moff Gideon is like looking over dark troopers mm-hmm. as he's getting this information. Uh, but yeah, this episode, the tragedy episode fourteen, directed by Robert Rodriguez and written by John Favreau. It's about thirty five minutes long. It's not a super long episode, but we there's do get also, a lot of information. Well, in this there's episode. also not a lot that happens. No, it's in one location. All like all told, yeah. So starts with them like pulling into frame or pulling into the planet. Yeah, the atmosphere um, of Tython. Of Tython, realizing they can't land the ship up on top of the temple area. So um, Mando says, "Well, I guess we've got to go with the windows down." Yes, he he lands the ship on a nearby opening, and then just yeah, cut Jet to packs up. Jetpack, yeah, we see the his windows down type thing is just uh, baby Yoda, Gargu's ears flopping in the wind and shit yep. as they go towards this like uh, it's not exactly a temple, it's more like a um, like a little hinge, yeah, something like that, just like a little like worship table type thing. Uh, and it's well, just there's to, there's rocks that are like at a forty five degree angle that like jut up, like, yeah. looks like at one time like intersected have, yeah, and made a made a Hut. Like hut type thing, yeah. and there's a big circle stone in the center. Yep, it's got etchings along the edge of it, and uh, Mando's like, I guess we just put you up here and places and, them down on the center. Okay, rock. now it's your turn. Like you're, you've got to do the next part. She said, I just had to bring you here, and you know what to do. So and so and so go fucking do it. Go and as go. he's sitting there, um, you see, what's it? called spitfire now yeah the the it's no longer slave one they changed it from uh the word slave to spitfire yes so i mean it'll always be slave one to me yeah i know so it'll i get why they changed it because of the whole the slave slave thing connotation but but it's slave one it's slave one yeah so uh you see slave one and that's how you respectively uh say hey we don't really like something but we understand why they did something instead of the you know like rage quitting on fucking twitter yeah. that's how you, this interaction we had we were like it's still slave one to me but i get why they get why they changed it to spitfire perfectly fine like fucking adults yeah right? that's that's how you do it <laughs> yeah. um but anyway so um he sees it land and he's like well, i don't know who these people are so i should probably go find yeah, yeah. find out it, he watches the ship come in, and he looks back to Baby Yoda, and boom, he's in full fucking, like, meditation mode. Like, the entire, like, there's, like, this blue aura around him as, like, these pulses of blue pulsate from, like, the different prongs in the ground and shit. Just basically casting out some sort of, like, encoded message right. to whatever Jedi will connect to him. He tries to grab Grogu, and he gets blown away, and he's like... All right, I'm gonna Fuck. go. I'm gonna go see who these people are. Yep. Um, cut to him in like a valley, and uh, I forget. Does Boba Fett get the drop on him? Or? Fennec Shan fires a few rounds in the ground before Mando. Oh and then, yeah, and then Boba's like in front of him, and he ducks behind it, and Boba comes out from around the corner. Is like, listen, we've been following you for a while. Um, you have something that belongs to me. I want it back. And Mando's like, no. 
it's Mandalorian armor. Like, it doesn't belong to you. It belongs with my people. Basically, fuck off. Yeah. And Boba Fett's like, okay, listen. Um, here's the thing. You're going to give me the stuff back, or I have a sharpshooter on the ridge that will, um, you know. Easily take out the. Take, take, take the shots that I require them to, and, uh, you know, then you'll have a bad day. Yeah, pretty much. She, he's, he's threatening to well, he's shoot like, he's Grogu. Like, this doesn't need to come to violence. Yeah. But if it does, like, I've got my person on the ridge. And um, Mando's like, well, fuck you. Like, I don't care if you've got a sharpshooter on the ridge. I'm the one in Beskar. So fucking shoot me. It'll just bounce off and I'll kill you both. Yeah. And Boba's like, well, I wasn't talking about you. And he's like, whoa, 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 hold on. Like, don't, <laughs> let's not do anything crazy now. Yeah. And uh, Fennec Shand speaks and he's like, what? Like, Fennec? You were dead. Yeah. And uh, Bo was like, well, no, she was left for dead and I saved her life. And so now we. We're a team. And then uh, I think Boba's like, let's all just calm down for a second. Yeah, let's, let's talk let's just, this out. Let's just talk this out. Like, uh, we see Fennec come down from the ridge that she's at. And, and then, she opens up her stomach and yeah. it's Like metal parts, parts, yeah. And uh, she's like, okay, so, like, hi. <laughs> and uh, they they discuss with Mando, like, um, all I want is my armor back. Yes. Like, it belonged to my father. He was a foundling. It's mine. I'm going to take it. Yep. And with, with that, we will help you get the child to the Jedis yep. or whatever you yeah. need. Like, we'll help you protect the child. Yep. And uh, he's like, well, I don't really like that idea. Like, that is Mandalorian army armor it needs to stay with a mandalorian you've already admitted you're not a mandalorian because he says like i'm just a oh yeah i wrote it down i'm just he a says, guy trying to find my way through you know, it's one of my favorite like lines it's uh i'm a, uh, a simple man making his way through the galaxy yeah i i don't know why i love that fucking line especially um, coming from boba fett and about that time a uh Two transports come out of no, the sky. No, one transport. Is it just one? First. Okay. And lands, and there's some stormtroopers in there, and like, they basically say, "We'll table this." <laughs> yeah, like we need to deal with this first. Um, go make sure the kid's safe. Like we'll take care of these guys, and we can meet up and continue our discussion later. Yep. Um, cut to them, kind of uh, Boba Fett and Fennec Shand um, doing their thing. Uh, Boba, uh, Boba saying, Fett with a gaffy stick. Yeah, Boba's saying, like, this is what I want you to do, and I'll flank behind him and stuff. And he just, like, he fucks people in the mouth with that gaffy <laughs> stick. <laughs> You're not lying. He fucking rocks them so fucking hard like, with that damn thing. Like, he fucks <laughs> them up. <laughs> we just see, like, bits of, like, the helmet, yeah, the, like, the fly one, off. Like, you see, you see the fucking destruction of the helmets as he swings it and you're like oh man like that 
that's a really good way to like artfully show that he hit him really fucking hard. And he's just one hand in this yeah. gaffy stick, by the way. Like it's not, <laughs> it's not swinging both hands. <laughs> yeah. Like he's just like one hand and like whoop, <laughs> knocking shit apart. Yep. And then like in the background of one image, as you see, I'm like, oh hey look, there's the razor crest. That's where my armor is. Yep. I'm gonna go there. Yeah. Oh, we just see him look at the razor crest, and then we cut to Fennec Shen. And you see him like start to step towards it, and in the background, you see one of the fucking stormtrooper helmets just absolutely fucking <laughs> shit smashed. Yes. Like, like half of it is. It looks like Vader's mask in seven eight nine. <laughs> yeah. Like just absolutely shit fucked. Yeah, just obliterated. And it's like, oh, okay. Well, that's. Good, good for you. Yeah, uh, yeah. We see Fennec Shan just tearing up shop as well. She's just kicking ass as like, a as a sharpshooter. She's absolutely, yeah, absolutely formidable shit. in her own right. Uh, she just starts tearing through motherfuckers. At one point, she's trapped up against a boulder, and we see like these stormtrooper mortars, uh, and they're like decked out in normal stormtrooper garb, but they're they have like yellow, yellow. trim. Yeah, and they start firing mortars at her. One of them hits like the boulder nearby, and it loosens a bit. And then she just like pushes and the boulder. There's off. also a heavy gun yeah, that's shooting at, at the her. other end of the the hill that she's at. So she's pinned against this boulder. It gets loose. She pushes it off, and it just becomes like this Indiana Jones type aspect where this giant ass boulder's running through, fuck, running over fucking yeah, stormtroopers. stormtroopers trying to run away. <laughs> Except for the one on the big gun that's like, I can. I can. I've played asteroids. <laughs> I can. I can break this. I up. can probably shoot it enough to break it up, <laughs> and it gets closer and closer and closer. And he's like, "Fuck, fuck, 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 nope!" And it just and takes him plows out. over top of him, <laughs> all the way down to the uh, mortar guy. Um, and then a second transport transport ship shows up, mm-hmm. and more stormtroopers. A bunch of more stormtroopers come out, and it's about that time that like Fennec Shand looks like she's going to be defeated, and you just see. The jetpack fucking land next to and start taking motherfuckers out. And he looks like a total badass. He's got the black outfit he has underneath it, and it just looks like fucking like I, I can't pinpoint what it what exactly. It's almost uh, Asian in der- derivation. It's almost fucking uh, almost Middle Eastern with the fucking uh, tunic on the around his waist and shit. But it, it has like all these different influences. Uh, incorporated. And it just looks fucking great. It looks fucking amazing. Mean, meanwhile, it keeps flashing back up to Mando, who keeps, like, um, is being the perpetual definition of insanity because he keeps trying yeah. to do the same thing and expects a different result. Uh, yep, yep. And keeps getting thrown back. Finally, he's like, okay, well, I guess if I can't take you out of here, then I'll just protect you. Goes down to join the fight. Shows up. As Boba's like, no, nah, I got this handled. And you just see him, like, using all of his Boba Fettness. <laughs> yeah. Like, he punches a dude with his, like, hand blaster and then blasts him, <laughs> yeah. like, fucking 30 feet. Yeah. He just puts his foot up on a rock and fires two Captain Morgan rockets out of his yeah. kneecap. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it it gets even better because while he's in the middle of a fight in uh, Book of Boba Fett, it he just makes like this like Heisman pose and then fires the rockets at the same time. It it is fucking amazing whenever it happens. Anyway, like he's just taking out all these stormtroopers, and as more stormtroopers run out, and then Mando lands, and you see all the stormtroopers like clock what's going on, and they're like, nope. Nope. <laughs> they just get back on the ship. <laughs> and uh, the ship's 
uh, they they get into both ships. The ships take off. Uh, Boba Fett lowers his targeting thing. You see him fire his rocket. It hits the ship that then crashes into the other ship, destroying both of them. Yeah. And Mando comes up to him and is like, oh, that's a nice shot. And he's like, oh. I was aiming at the other one. Like, it wasn't really a good shot. Uh, and then he's but, like, it, but it worked. And then Boba's like, look, I, I can prove to you that this is my family's armor. And he uh, hits a few buttons on his gauntlet. He's like, look, this is my chain code. This is uh, information of how the armor belonged to me. And then my father before him, he was a foundling. And then Mando's like, I guess you are I technically guess, a Mandalorian. I guess this is yours. Yep. Uh, and as they're having this little conversation, we just hear a shot pew, ring out. Zip right by them, and then nobody's fucking paying attention. It just beelines it towards the Razor Crest, and the Razor Crest gets. Oh, I know yeah. I say obliterated an awful lot. This thing fucking becomes the word, the physical personification of obliteration. There is nothing left of this well, shit. There is one thing left. <laughs> There's a it. knob and a fucking Beskar yeah. spear. That's the, it. The knob. I was like. Uh. <laughs> you know why they kept like, the knob? I fucking get why they kept the knob, but I was like, really, really, that's what survives. Yep, There's, there is no way that that survives. <laughs> but as that happens, um, you see them react to it like, "What the fuck just happened?" Yeah. And, and Mando then, is just completely lost. And then they're like, "The kid." <laughs> yeah. And uh, Mando and Fennec Shand run up to the top of the hill. At this point, the uh, the pulsing has stopped, and Baby he Yoda out. Baby Yoda is sleepy time. Yeah. So he goes to sleep, and you see four or five, four, four dark troopers descend all around him, all around him. Yeah. Grab him, and as uh, Mando and Fennec Shand get up to the top, you see them take off with Baby Yoda. Yeah. Um. Boba Fett has gotten into his ship. His ship. That's probably a better way to to, to say it than to, to continuously fumble over what the new name is and yeah. then call it by the old name. So he gets into Boba Fett's ship, <laughs> right? <laughs> and um, follows them and is like, "Okay, I've got a shot. I'm going to blast him out of the sky." And he's like, "No, don't hurt the kid." And Fennec Shan's like, uh, "He says, don't hurt the kid." And he's like, okay, well, then I'll just follow and see where they go. Follows him up into the clouds, sees um, Moff Gideon's ship. Yeah, uh, that ship. <laughs> that one right there. Yeah. That. <laughs> that. Um, and he's like, oh, shit. The Empire's back. The Empire's back. And Fennec's like, no, they're not. And he's like, <laughs> I, can, I can see them with my eyeballs. Like, <laughs> that's, that's Moff Gideon's ship. Yep. Um, I need to get out of here, and he goes and lands, um, and it's the all hope is lost moment. Yes, because Mando's just looking through what's left. <laughs> Grogu's gone. The Razor Crest is gone. <laughs> yeah. Everything sucks for him right now. Yes, and he's like, well, I don't know what to do. I know that there's one person that can help me, but I don't know how I'm going to get to him. Yeah. Oh wait, I know. He he asked uh, Boba and Fennec for a lift, and they're like, "We'll do you one better. We'll help you. We promised we would keep uh, help you protect the child. The child is fucking gone, so right. we will continue. We will to help continue you. to help." Uh, and then I believe they ask, and so you got any plans? And then we cut to 
Mando back on the Varro talking to Kara. And he's basically asking Kara, he's like, I know with now that you're this uh, marshal for the New now Republic. Oh, hoity toity. Uh, I need your help. And he's like, can you look up where, uh, what is it, Miggs Mayfield is? Like, I No, last name Mayfield was a former Imperial no, right. sharpshooter. And she's like, oh, here he is, Miggs Mayfield. He's doing... I think like 50 years. Yeah, 50 years on... Some prison camp. Some uh, scrap... Some scrap planet where they scrap out old Imperial, like, TIE fighters and stuff. Yep. And... He's like, okay, well, um, I need to get him off of there so he can help me um, because I need to find Moff Gideon's ship. Turns out he's not dead. And she's like, well, I can't really do that. Like, that's breaking the rules. And, like, I just joined, so I don't want to be a rule breaker already because that looks really bad. And he's like, well, you might want to now because they have the kid. Yep. And she's like, I'm in. son of a bitch, I'm in. Yeah. Uh, cut to the credits. Uh, next episode is uh, Chapter 15, The Believer. Uh, written by uh, Rick Famuyiwa and also directed by Rick Famuyiwa. Um, and they, uh, we immediately start on with uh, Bill Burr. And he's just like hacking away at some sort of machinery or something. Yeah, like we see a, other... Like, like a TIE fighter that's being all decommissioned. broken down and rusted. Yeah. And, we see other uh, prisoners as well, but then we see a uh, New Republic like ro- uh, droid walk up behind him and call him pres- inmate three four six six seven. He turns around. He's like, "Yeah, what do you want?" He's like, "You're being uh, reassigned." Uh, reassigned. He's like, "All like, right, where? Come, come down here now." And he's like, "Can't you see I'm busy?" And it's like, "You're being reassigned. Come, come down here now, or face the consequences." He's like, all right, all right, all right, fine. Calm your, calm your bolts. I'm coming. And comes down off the thing, and uh, the droid is like, "You're being reprimanded," or what is the word? Yeah, he uses a. Uh, you're being basically. He's putting in. He's being put into Caradoon's custody. Yeah, transfer of custody to Caradoon. Yeah, something along those lines. Yeah, and, and she comes walking out from around like a bunch of rubble and shit. She's like, pretty much, if you try to run, I'm going to kill you, is what she tells Just him. follow me. Yeah. And he's like, but where are we going? And she's like, just follow me. Yep. And, but where are we going? And she just doesn't say anything and starts walking away. And then the prison guard droid is like, you will follow Cara Dune. <laughs> follow Cara Dune. You've been reprimanded. That's it. Yeah. Reprimanded into her custody, I think. Is it reprimanded? I don't. Relinquished? No. So it's an R word. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I just don't rem- remember no. what the word was. Anyway. Anyway, put into her custody. Right. Uh, so he eventually so you, does follow her. You follow her. He, he, no, I'm not going to. Okay, cool. Lights up the shock baton. He's like, all right, all right, I'm going, I'm going. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah he, they make it to Boba Fett's ship, and uh, I, the, the door opens, the ramp comes down, and out walks Fennec Shand with uh, Boba Fett. With Boba Fett. And, and immediately... Migs is like, oh shit! He doesn't say anything; he just reacts. It is, oh. oh man, I thought you were this other guy. The other guy comes <laughs> down the Mando ramp. Comes walking down the ramp. <laughs> He's like, um, <laughs> what? 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 What could you possibly want from me? And he's like, listen, um, I know that you still have all of your imperial clearances and stuff. I need you to tell me where to find Moff Gideon's ship. And he's like, well, I can't really do that. Um, because, you know, I can't. 
And then Mando says, "We well, we figured out that there's some sort of uh, imperial base." Well, no, he doesn't. He doesn't say that. That's where Bill Burr's character Does Mayfield he? tells him to go. Okay. Um, he's he's like, "Listen, I need your help because they took the kid." And this is this is the one that I was kind of like, like there should have been some more convincing for this to happen. Yeah. Because what does Miggs Mayfield give a fuck about the kid? But as soon as he's like, he took the kid, Mayfield's like, you son of a bitch, I'm in. Yeah, pretty like, much, yeah. And it's like, yeah, that wouldn't... I mean, he did care. I mean, we see that Miggs Mayfield in the first season isn't really a monster. He's just doing what he needs to do to survive. Right. Um, he's not open to, like, like say, fucking Berg in the last season, willing to fucking try to harm the child in some way. He doesn't want that to happen. But, yeah, he doesn't really have a connection like, say, Cara Dune does. Right. He's never really done anything with him besides just watch Berg around him. Kill him. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he's like, all right, I can help you, but we need to go to this planet where... Uh, Morak. Morak. Is the name of the planet. Where there's a... Uh, Remnant base on the planet, and they are harvest or uh, mining Rhydonium uh, material. Or right. Or Whatever or some it is. Sort. And... We can go there. There should be an imperial terminal there that I can use to find the location of uh, Moff Gideon's um, ship. Is, is it Grand Moff Gideon or just Moff Gideon? I think it might just be Moff they Gideon. Don't, they don't ever call him Grand Moff Gideon in the show. Just Moff. It's just Moff Gideon. Okay. Uh, so basically the plan is to go to Morak, scope out this imperial base, and then figure out a plan from there. Um, and that's exactly what they do. We see inside... Boba Fett ship, and this is one thing I've always wondered about. Is like we see early on in other movies. Is like in order to get into the cockpit, you have to basically like climb your way up into the seat, like mm-hmm. a, like a, a an Apollo mission uh, here yeah. on Earth. It's something similar to that. But we see inside the ship as it takes off. We see it like gyroscope inside to where the where they're sitting always stays on the bottom of them. Right. It, it, I, I, for whatever reason, I found that fucking fascinating. It's just cool. Like it's all like moving inside of the ship as it takes off and shit. So always found that fascinating. Uh, but yeah, they go to Morak and now they're scoping out the Imperial base and they need to figure out or this bridge where the these big juggernaut uh, transports are taking uh, the Rhydonium, the Rhydonium, Rhydonium or Donium or however you pronounce it. Uh, the, the, all this unrefined. M- fuel i guess to this main imperial base so the idea is uh to try to hijack the ship the only problem is is that Kara can't because she's the the things that are running the like protection guns or whatever on this base will notice who you are and run your chain code yep so so anybody anybody that's in a new republic database yep will get blasted out of the sky like Kara, she can't um, Migs, they, they don't know, I guess, know about that he's been arrested or don't care right. because he's still Imperial technically. Um, uh, Fennec, Boba Fett. They, Fennec Shand can't do it. Cause yeah, she has a bounty out for her. Cause she has a bounty out for her. And Boba's like, I'm pretty sure they would, would remember me. And we see that Boba Fett has spray painted his entire outfit again. Yes, back to its... The dark green and red. Back to its former glory. And it looks, it looks so cool. It looks real fucking good. Uh, that outfit alone. like not, uh, The original one from like uh, Empire Strikes Back is fucking cool, but this outfit 
with like the pristine paint and everything with the blackout. I fucking real good. Fucking mint. Um, so the idea is so they're they're all like, oh, well, we can't do this. We need two people in that transport. Well, Mayfield says, well, I'll just go alone. And they're like, no, we don't trust you enough to go alone. Yeah. Like, and Mando's like, I'll go. And uh, Mayfield's like, oh, yeah, right. I'm a pretty good talker, but I don't know how I'd be able to uh, talk my way with a fucking Mandalorian in the in the seat next to me. And he's like, well, we'll fucking figure it out, yep. basically. And we see inside Mando's helmet. He's like doing like an x-ray view into the, the, the transport, and he sees that they're wearing helmets. Yep. Um, so we cut to some time later. They have taken over this uh, one transport, uh, and then we see... Uh, Mayfield has already gotten ready, and Cara Dune is basically talking to him, basically uh, vaguely threatening him. Like, if he tries anything, Cara will hunt him down and fucking right. destroy him. And then, as they're having this conversation, uh, Din comes out from around the corner. He's all decked up in the uh, juggernaut, juggernaut crew gear with the right. helmet and everything. Um, and with his uh, Mando gear tucked into into like a canvas bag of some sort, like military canvas bag. Right. He hands it to Carrie. She's like, he tells Carrie like, watch over this. She's like, I will. Um, they get into the transport, and then Bill Burr's driving, and it's just for a few minutes of just Bill Burr trying to connect with Mandalorian in some manner. Right. Like, oh man, this must be really weird. Like being outside your armor and stuff. Like, what's that like? Yeah, and. He's trying to convince the Mando. He's like, look, we're no different. We may have different uh, ways to go about things, but we're all trying to do the same fucking thing. Trying to survive in some manner. Just doing what we can do to survive. And he's like, you, for instance. Like, you told me you could never take the helmet off, no matter what. But here you are, outside of your helmet. Does it just mean that people can't see your face, or you can't take take off the helmet? Because those are two different things. Yes. It's like everybody's morals are what they are until they're pressed. Yeah. Or everybody's everybody's beliefs are what they are until they're pressed, and until you need to do something that goes against it, and then you're willing to do whatever you need to. To survive. If if the thing that you're trying to do is more important than your belief in whatever you believe. Yep. And stuff. And And we get a great example of that later on in this episode. Yeah, where Din has to take off his helmet, and if he doesn't, all hell is gonna break. Yeah, loose. this this the first time is real, real, good. real fucking yeah. Um, but so they're trying to connect, and uh, the other juggernauts come over the radio saying, "Hey, um, we need a backup. We need a different route or something. We need ah." And then you see an explosion off in the distance, and uh, Mayfield is like, "Well, what the fuck was that?" And it, it just continues like that. Turns out there's pirates that are attacking these transports. Shadoop pirates is their name. And these uh, these transports have to go a certain speed because the rhydonium or... It's so unstable and it's, so volatile. It's unstable and volatile and it'll heat up if it goes too fast or if it gets jostled too much mm-hmm. and will explode. And that's what's happening to these things is the, what they Yeah, the other they transports. Assume. Yeah. Um, but these pirates attack. They jump on the back, and we see Mando get up onto the uh, outskirts on the top of the uh, vehicle itself. And he's just taking out motherfuckers left and right. At one point, I think he, like, like a grenade comes and lands right where the Rhydonium is. He quickly grabs it, tosses it towards it. And then while it's in midair and it's running or heading towards these uh, 
pirates, it explodes in between the two crafts that are trailing behind them, taking them both out. It looks like all uh, is one, but then uh, a couple more transports of these right. pirates. And we should we should say like so he blasts a few of them until the gun jams or yeah, yeah. is rendered useless. obsolete and useless, yeah. and then he just fucking wings it at him. Yeah, <laughs> he just looks at it, tries and to then maneuver, and, just, and then he's fighting them. Trying to fight as a Mandalorian does, wearing Beskar. Yes, it, and this is not Beskar. No, he he immediately gets rocked in the chest, trying to, or rocked in the arms and then the chest. And it well, just yeah, he tries to obliterate. Tries to block a. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's some sort of like like a bat. stick. Yeah, it's or something. something. And he puts up his arm, and it just shatters his armor. And he's like, "Oh fuck!" <laughs> yeah, like that's not going to work. So he fighting them off and stuff. Um, as Greg said, they. Uh, fucking blow two of the pirate ships up like he takes care of all the pirates on the one ship two more ships appear takes care of those two ships and he's like okay finally we've got it all taken care of and like three more ships appear and as the three more ships appear you just see all of the the pirates arm thermal detonators yeah he's like well shit and they're approaching a bridge at this point the final bridge to get into the main facility and uh Bilber's character is like, I've got to slow down. Like, I can't go across this bridge with this this quick or it'll fucking explode. And Mando's like, no, don't slow down. Like, that's a bad idea. He slows down and it looks like the pirates are going to catch up to them. And um, they just start getting lit the fuck up. Yep. By all manner of stormtroopers, from yeah, the storm shore troopers. troopers from Rogue One, from regular stormtroopers to the juggernaut uh, stormtrooper teams to officers, just everyone that's still on the space and has a weapon, and Tie Fighters, and Tie Fighters, are laying waste to these fucking pirates. Uh, this uh, juggernaut that uh, Mayfield and uh, Mando are on ends up going to the main hangar where the uh, Rhydonium is going to be processed. Everyone's cheering and patting them on the back and congratulating them. And we see Mayfield like, oh, thank you, thank you. And then they make their way through the crowd. And he's like, okay, the uh, the terminal that I need to access is in the officer's mess. Like, we'll get over there and just get it done. And he starts to walk up in there and clocks an Imperial officer that is a like Valen Hest is his name. Valen Hest is the officer's name. And... Uh, he walks back out to Mando and is like, "Listen, we can't fucking do this. Yeah, the the mission's over. It's the we're fucking- mission's over. It's scrubbed. We've got to go. Yeah, like the officer that's in there is somebody I served under, um, and he'll recognize he'll me. recognize me. Like I can't. Or he's like, "Well, will he recognize me? He's like, "I don't know for sure. Yeah, I was just right. a trooper whenever I served under him, but like he might recognize me. It might not work out. Yeah. So we just need to, you know." I'm I'm really sorry about the kid, but we need to go. Yep. And and then Mando's like, fine, fuck it, I'll do it. And Mayfield's like, no, you can't, because there's a facial recognition on the computer. In order to access the computer, you need to take, or it needs to scan your face. So I, you know, you can't do it, because you can't take off your helmet. Like, I would love for you, somebody to be able to do it, but uh, I can't do it, and you can't do it, so, so uh, that's it. Sorry for the kid. <laughs> and Mando grabs the... Uh, cylinder. Little cylinder thing. The USB drive that they need. Yeah, pretty much. And walks over to the uh, terminal. He plugs it in. He plugs it in and initially it hopes that the computer won't scan him. Well, or something. Yeah. Or can scan through the helmet or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, but 
that is not the case. The computer's like, okay, we're going to shut down in 10 seconds. If you don't. If we can't complete the facial scan. Yeah, visual ver- verification of some and sort. And it starts counting down, and you see him kind of struggle with it. And then you see him remove the helmet and just stand there. And at the same time, we see the officers look at him as the uh, computer is like freaking out, saying, hey, uh, I need to see your face and all that. And we see the officers just watching him intently. Like, clearly, they they have some sort of suspicion about... Well, yeah, there's something going on. They're not sure exactly what it is, but there's something going on. Mm-hmm. Um, the computer counts all the way down to one, and then facial scan is complete, allowing him to access the information that he wants as the officer approaches him. Yep. And the officer walks up and is like, Hey, uh, what's your designation? He's like, uh, part of the he's juggernaut like, crew. D- designation. I'm part of the juggernaut crew. I'm... He's like, no, what's your designation? Your TK number. He's like, what's your designation? He's like, juggernaut, co-pilot. And he's like, no, no, no. Your TK number. What's your TK number? He's like, uh. Yeah. And before any suspicion has risen from him not being able to answer this, we see Bill Burr come out from behind Din Djar and he's like, oh, that's TK-111. Uh, he, he's a, no, he's TK-111. I thought Bill Burr, Bill Burr says he's TK-111. This is my co-pilot, TK... thought it was 111. I thought he says, my name is Yadier oh, Mayfield, was and then this is TK-111. 241. Maybe. I, I didn't think. write it down. Um, because it's almost TK-421 from the original. Okay, yeah, yeah. And I think it's just one number transposed uh-huh. to, like, pay homage. And I was like, hey, yeah. <laughs> I recognize that number. Yeah. Um, and he says, I'm TK-111. Um, you'll have to excuse him. Um, he, and he says an old, like, imperial fight or something. He was in a, a ship that lost compression, and it blew out his eardrums. And so he doesn't hear very well. And... Uh, the the officer basically yells like, "What's your name?" <laughs> yeah, Adam. And all I could think in that moment was, "Tony, <laughs> fuck you, Tony." <laughs> oh, what's your name? Ezekiel. Ezekiel. <laughs> fuck you, Ezekiel. Hey, Ezekiel, don't you say it. <laughs> Guess what I did last night? Don't you bring my mom into this? I built this fire. And I fucked your mom next to it. <laughs> Fuck you, Ezekiel. Uh, but yeah, so the officers, uh, the officer basically. But he just, he, Bill Burr comes up with, or Mayfield's like, well, um, we don't really, we just call him Brown Eyes. Yeah, we don't know his name exactly. We just call him Brown Eyes, which I think is, isn't that, a, what's his name from the original Planet of the Apes movies? I don't maybe. I, I thought. What's her? The female ape calls him brown eyes, or maybe blue eyes. Maybe it's been a long time. Yeah, since I, I haven't watched, watched the that originals. In a while. Uh, but I think that's the case. I know it's something eyes. I'm just not quite sure. Uh, and the officer's like, "All right," it believes all this, and he's like, all right, "Why don't he's you join like, me for a drink?" He's like, "So you guys were the people that brought that uh, Rodonium in?" Yeah, the and, only transport and that brought. He's in. like, "Yeah," and like that's the only delivery that was able to make it today. So. Come with me. Let's have a drink. Yep. And so they sit down and they uh, are getting ready to have a drink. And the uh, 
the officer was like, what should we toast to? He's like, you know, we could toast to the Empire or to, to life, happiness, whatever, but I don't like to be so droll. And then Mayfield uh, was like, how about we toast to Operation Cinder? Now, Operation Cinder is probably one of the most important operations. You see it in the video games, like the Battlefront game. Uh, you see it in several novels. And Operation Cinder is, it goes into effect the moment Palpatine was confirmed dead. So Palpatine, similar to what the Nazis did, was like, fuck it. If I'm dead, then so is this fucking entire world that I fucking built. And he lays ways to fucking everything, including his home world, Naboo. He's laying everything down to the fucking... Bringing it to cinders. Yeah, burns it all down. Uh, so that's the plan. Uh, several key planets, that strategic planets like Coruscant, Naboo, and a few others are basically uh, attacked by Imperials to basically just render it fucking useless. Um, and that's what Operation Cinder is. And apparently Mayfield was part of that. And the officer's like, oh, yeah, Operation Cinder on... Somebody knows their history... Yeah, and he's like burning con. I remember that. I had to do we. I had to do what I had to do for the good of the empire. And we see Mayfield is deeply affected by this. Yeah, he's he is not very happy. But you see, you see Mayfield's deeply affected by this as the officers like like lament like not lamenting but like well, uh, like remembering it oozing fondly. yeah oozing like this fondness over it's this. Like oh, I did what I had to do and stuff. And Mayfield's like there were you know. Millions of people on that yeah. planet murdered. Murdered. I was one of. I was there. My entire platoon was killed. And, and then the, the, he's like, "Oh yes, all sacrifices for the glory of the empire." Yeah, or something and, and like he's that. like, "Everybody thinks." I wrote this down because it's very poignant, especially right now in our in our neck of the woods, right? Mm-hmm. With everything that's going on politically, he says, "Everybody thinks they want freedom, but what they really want is order." And uh, he's just, like, very, like, he's got, like, this, like, evil smile about it. It's like, nobody wants freedom. This is all just a made-up made bullshit. Like, Everybody wants to be told what to do. Uh, that's very reminiscent of what's currently going on with certain political members, teams, factions, clans, whatever the fuck is going on right now. Very reminiscent of that. And I have no doubt that's what the writers were trying to... Because it's the best part right. about Star Wars is that they will slip in a message from time to time, either it be politically or what's going on in the world. Star Wars has always fucking... Try to keep it topical. Star, let me say this very fucking clearly. Star Wars has always been fucking political. I don't give a shit whatever fucking bullshit reasoning you want to make up saying, no, it's always been about, you know, the war and the stars, blah, blah, blah. No, it's always been fucking political across the board. The fucking uh, empire was an allegory for the United States during the Vietnam War. Stormtroopers comes from actual stormtroopers in the Nazi regime. It's always been fucking political. These are just a few examples. There's numerous other examples that George Lucas took from actual history. Like the X-Wings and TIE Fighters dogfight, shit like that. It's always been fucking political. And I have no doubt in this instance, this is the... John Favreau, Rick Famuyiwa, uh, Deborah Chow, all the entire team that made up the Mandalorian series, Boba Fett series, Obi Wan, and all that. There's a whole team that makes all these series, and I have no doubt they're slipping in messages like that to basically turn do for you to hone in on, like take right. from the series. Like everybody says they want freedom, but what they really want is order. 
And that's the officer says this, not, yes, not, not Mayfield. Not Mayfield. And when you see the officer continue on with just the you know just congratulating himself and the Empire for what they did, and you see uh, we see Mayfield getting deeper and de- more like and angry more, and angry, more and angry and more and angry. pissed off, and then until he, he's finally like, you know what. Fuck, fuck you. And he just, and just immediately pulls out a pistol and blasts the officer in the chest. And both Mayfield and Mando just stop in their tracks. Don't move, but look around. Like, did anybody else see that? But everyone fucking saw it from the shore troopers, <laughs> the other officers. <laughs> the other officers are like, I think they just killed that guy. <laughs> yes. He's got a lunch tray in his hand. He just stops mid-walk. He's like, oh, did I just see what I saw? And before he can even react to it, we see that uh, Mando grabs another pistol nearby, shoots him, and then all hell breaks Yeah, loose. everybody's grabbing for their guns and stuff. Mayfield and Mando start shooting. Yeah, trying to get out of there as quickly as possible. They, they, I think they blow out one of the windows and start they, crawling out They kick out, out um, like one of the shades. Yeah. And they crawl out. And as they crawl out, they see uh, Fennec Shand and Cara Dune are up on the, the cliff. And they start taking out the guards and stuff at the roof so that um, Boba Fett can come by on Slave One on his ship yeah. and uh, pick them up yeah. and exfil them. Yeah, so, so the, the idea is that Cara Dune and Fennec Shan are going to take out all the guys on top of the roof so that way they can get up on the roof and the Spitfire can come by and they can jump on it and then they can all, oh shit, they can all just take off uh, at the last second. Um, so they're, they're making their way to the top. We see Kara and Fennec taking out a bunch of guys. They take them all out by the time Mando and Mayfield get to the top of the roof. Um, at that same instance, we also see, I think, like a gunner ship turning its way towards... Um, we should also say, um, the, the reason that, uh, Mayfield shoots him is, uh, he starts talking about this operation. He's like, you know, this, with, with what you brought us today, Mm. we will be able to make... Um, whatever the planet that they're talking about, Morak. No, the not, planet they're on, or no, the planet that they're talking about. Whenever they're talking about Operation Cinder. Oh, um, Khan, Burning Khan. Yeah, I Burning Khan. Yeah, uh, says that you know what they brought today will be able to make Burning Khan look like a like a campfire basically yeah, yeah. like this, what you brought us today will allow us to do so much more destruction than what we did there. Mm-hmm. And as, uh, they jump onto the, uh, Spitfire, mm-hmm. um, Mayfield is like, Hey, hand me that rifle. And Mando hands him a rifle and you see him wheel around and, uh, Look at the hatch that was pried open by the pirates during the attack. He takes a shot at the Rydinium. It blows up and blows the entire yeah, base. Obliterates the entire base. Everybody in it. Everybody on um, top of it. There's, everything. There's two Tie Fighters that take off and chase down Spitfire as Boba shows that he is way fucking better than or no. There's. Maybe, no, he, maybe there's they're, five. They're trailing behind him, but he sends out one of those sonic charges. Yeah, there's two. There's two that get tagged by a sonic charge, and, and it then, does the very same thing from like uh, Attack of the Clones, where everything goes silent. Then, boom! It's fucking amazing. Haven't and, seen that in Star Wars in quite a while, and it was great to fucking watch it again. And uh, he dispatches the rest of them mm-hmm. um, with some fancy flying moves. Yep, and. Uh, they land 
the ship basically to pick up uh Cara Dune yeah. and Fennec Shand. And as they're standing there talking, uh Cara Dune's like, Hey, that was a nice shot and he's like, Yeah, well, you know, I had to do what what I could do so I could sleep at night, yeah. basically. He's like, No matter no matter what you do, you just have to try to make it so you can sleep at night. And um then Cara Dune is like, Isn't it a shame that Miggs Mayfield died in the explosion and wasn't able to make it out. And he's like, are you for real right now? Like, no. like I can go. Yeah. And Mando says, yeah, it was a real shame. He was starting and, to grow on me or something shit like that. Like, he's like, really? I can go. And he like takes a few steps away and then like looks back like, we're good. Nobody's going to shoot me. We're, we're good. Yeah. Okay. And then he fucks off. Yeah. And, uh, I want to say that's the end of this episode. I think it is. Cause it starts off with the uh, Boba Fett, Fennec and Mando going to the other Mandalorians. Yeah. It's uh, Bo-Katan and, uh, episode. what's her name? Crease. And Axel or whatever. No, Axel is not with him this time. Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, Costco Reeves is her name. Costco Reeves. Played by Sasha Banks. Um, but yeah, the the end of the episode, credits roll. Uh, this is the last episode, Chapter 16, The Rescue, directed by Peyton Reed, written by John Favreau. It's 47 minutes long. And it starts off, uh, like I said, uh, no, uh, on here it says they uh, Dune and uh, Mandalorian uh, chase after Dr. Push- Pershing's uh, Lambda-class shuttle. Oh, yeah, so it's the end of that episode they go, and there's a, a little... Um, like fuck you scene between Dune and these Dune and Boba Fett. Is it Boba Fett? Yeah, because she's basically like, I've heard your voice a thousand times. Like you're not a Mandalorian. You shouldn't be wearing that armor. And he's like, Fuck you. It was my parent or it was my dad's. You shouldn't be wearing your armor. And she's like, Fuck you. It was my f- dad's. So, nah. <laughs> and then uh, I don't remember this at all. You don't? <laughs> no. They're in a bar, and then um, her little... Oh, you mean Bo-Katan. I thought you said Kara. Oh, no. Yeah, Bo-Katan. Bo-Katan. I, might have, okay. I might have said Kara, but okay. I meant Bo-Katan. And um, it's just like a, fuck you, don't wear the armor. No, fuck you, don't wear the armor. And then her little partner is like, fuck this. I'm going to beat the hell out of him. And stands up and just immediately gets fucking shit kicked. <laughs> and... Uh, he throws she, his little uh, lariat around her, yeah. and she breaks out of it, and then like kicks does like him. a modified hurricane rana on him. <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> and they end up like facing each other, just blowing their flamethrowers yeah. at each other. And finally, Bo Katan's like, eh, "Fucking knock it off!" Yeah. Like if we if we were able to, you know present half this much fight to the empire then maybe mandalore wouldn't be fucking glass <laughs> yeah and they're like okay fucking cool chill like what's going on and uh then mando explains to him like i know or um moff gideon uh has taken the child i need help to get him back i know you want to get him like Let's work together. Mm. And she's like, oh, that'd be great if we could actually know where the fuck he is. And he's like, well, actually, I have his fucking coordinates. So how about you get on board yeah. and let's fucking go? Yep. And that's the end of the episode. And then 
this one opens with them chasing down Dr. Pershing. Dr. Dr. Pershing. Uh, yeah, they're chasing after his Lambda class. They eventually uh, disable the, the Lambda class ship, uh, basically like frying, ion blasting. It's the ship frying all the instrument panels and everything. Uh, they dock. We hear Boba Fett saying, Lambda class, if you do not cooperate, we will blow your ship out of the sky. Uh, and then we see hear the Spitfire dock and then the doors open and there is Boba. Is it Boba? I think no. Boba's just on the ship itself. We see Kara and Mando with their guns trained on all the uh, the three guys that are Dr. Pershing's, the two uh, Lambda-class shuttle pilots. And we see uh, the two pilots pull out their guns and point them at Kara and Mando. And they're both like, no, you freeze. No, you freeze. And then Listen, this is Dr. Pershing. Like, he's a big deal. Like, you don't want to do what you think you're doing. And Kara's like, I fucking know who he is, bitch. Yep. And then the one pilot's like, maybe we can work something out. And before anybody can fucking answer, the other pilot, the Lambda class, immediately shoots him in the back. And then grabs Dr. Pershing, puts the gun directly to his fucking head. And Mando and Kara's like, whoa, don't do anything. And then we get this back and forth between Kara and this Imperial pilot, or Imperial pilot, um, about uh, how the rebels killed millions of people, that there were millions of people on that first Death Star. And Kara's like, yeah, well, there were just as many people on Alderaan. And then the Imperial pilot's like, yeah, I was there when they blew up Alderaan. It was great. It was so fucking glorious. Sometimes you gotta break a few eggs to kill some terrorists. Yes. And before you can even say anything else, Kara just immediately shoots him in the face. <laughs> he goes down. Dr. Pershing, like, screams out and shit. Because uh, he had, like, a blaster bolt, like, graze the side of his ear or some shit. They grab Dr. Pershing's and fuck off. Or no, they keep a hold of the Lambda class. Because the idea is to sneak yeah. onto the ship with the Lambda class yep. thing with... Boba Fett trailing behind them, like making like pot shots at him, making it, theme, making seem, like it seem like they were running like under away. Attack. Yeah, so that's the plan. We're gonna and have the the plan is everybody except for Boba Fett and Mando are going to be in the uh, the Lambda class. They are going to go and try to take out. Um, you know, Mando's with them on the Lambda class. It's just Boba Fett who stays. Well, on right, the ship. right, but everybody else stays together. Like, Kara and Fennec Shand stay together, and then the uh, Bo-Katan and her partner um, are basically just going to go all Polly Shore and try to cause some trouble in that bubble. And yeah, uh, Mando so, is going to go rescue the child. Which there was a small little scene we forgot to mention uh, at the after he was kidnapped by the Dark Troopers. Oh the yeah. End scene is that uh, Moff Gideon goes to see. Uh, Grogu in the cell, and, and you just hear Grogu, screaming. Yeah, you just see her screaming, and then we open the cell, and there's Grogu just tossing stormtroopers all over the fucking place. There's two stormtroopers, and he just keeps throwing them against the walls <laughs> and shit. Uh, but yeah, uh, he, the plan is, is that everyone's going to go to the main bridge to try to take control of the ship, while uh, Mando goes to try to rescue the ch- uh, child and stop the dark troopers from being activated. So he's going to go to where the dark troopers are. Oh, yeah, because uh, Dr. Pershing tells them about the dark troopers and yeah. um, how they're... Uh, there there not, aren't people in those They're not human. They're all robot. All robot, and um, they're finally complete, and they are formidable opponents. Yeah. 
Um, so we see that uh, all four ladies, uh, was it Kara, Fennec, Bo-Katan. Bo-Katan, and Reeves is her last name. I, can't, I can never remember her first name, are all making their way towards the bridge. Um, they start taking out motherfuckers left and right. At one point, we see Fennec and Kara. Uh, we see the two Mandalorians drop below a bridge as uh, Fennec and Kara take out a bunch. We see Kara's gun jam. And she's trying to figure out how to get it to unjam. At that same instance, we they a bunch of stormtroopers come across the bridge, tell them to drop their weapons. At that same instance, we see two the two Mandalorians come up from under the bridge and take out all the man or all the stormtroopers right behind uh, where everybody is. They make their way to the bridge. They take out every fucking officer that's on the bridge, and they take control of the ship. But at that same instance, we also see that the dark troopers have been activated. And we see Mando get up to where the Dark Troopers are right when everything is activated. And we see the Dark Troopers exit their, like, holding pods. Yeah. As that happens, we also see the door starting to open. And Mando's like, shit, I'm too late. He gets up to the main control unit, uh, starts hitting a few buttons. The door uh, begins to close. But then one of the Dark Troopers puts his hands between the two doors and tries to open it with his sheer force. Uh, I think just the one gets through. Yeah, yeah. he does. And the door closes behind able, the rest. Is able to get out, and the doors slam shut, trapping all of the others in there. Yeah, and it looks... It, Mando's trying to fucking take out this dark trooper as best he can. Nothing's fucking working. At one point, he goes to use his spirit. He gets knocked out of his hand. So Mando tries whistling birds. Not fucking effective at all. Tries using the flamethrower, nothing. Tries using his blaster, and nothing. He's getting his shit kicked in because yeah. the uh, it's just like punching him into a wall. Yes. And his helmet keeps getting thrown back further and further into, like he gets pushed back further and further into the wall. Um, and he tries his fire, um, f- frying the insides of the uh, the dark trooper. And it just like flames up around its head, and then it just looks menacing as fuck. Is it hits him like three more times, causing um, like one of the pipes to rupture and like the steam to come out, and then it finally lets him go, and he gets the spear and jabs it through, killing yeah, it the, like underneath the chin area, up through its head, and everything. And he's like, "Fuck!" And at this time, like the rest of them are punching on the glass of the doors, trying to. Break it. Break it, and they're almost through, and he runs over and grabs the lever and opens it up and... Uh, ejects them into the ejects void them of into space. into the void of space. One of them, like, falls down and is holding on for a second longer than all the rest, and I could just hear in the back of my mind as it gets sucked out the door, like, Father, help! <laughs> yeah. Um, it's like, oh, well, these are taken care of. This probably like, won't be a thing. Like, robots in space, they're not going to be able to survive. <laughs> yeah. Uh, cut to about ten minutes. Uh, um, uh, but yeah, so uh, Mando makes his way to where uh, Grogu's cell is as everybody takes control of the main bridge. And they're just basically waiting for Mando to get back with... Moff Gideon. Well, they're like, where, where oh, yeah, is Moff Gideon? Bo-Katan is looking for Moff Gideon. They don't know where he is. Mando gets to Grogu's cell, opens the door, and there is Moff Gideon with the dark saber to Grogu's neck. Well, just over his head. Well, yeah. Really. Um, and Moff Gideon is like, look, if you lower your weapons, I've got everything I need from the kid. I just needed some more of his blood. We're good. It's all I needed. Yep. Like, we we don't have to beef. Yep. Like. 
You just take the child and go. Won't be a fucking thing. I don't need anything else from him. You obviously want him. He means a great deal to you. You can have the child. I'll keep the blood. We'll go our separate ways. We no longer have to interact. Dunzo. Yep. And Mando's he puts his like, weapons okay, down. Okay, he puts puts his blaster down. Goes to walk over to grab Grogu. As soon as he's got his back to, to Moff Gideon, Moff Gideon tries to attack him with the uh, dark saber. Yep. And he blocks it with his arm gauntlets, obviously, because they're best car and everything. Well, the the first hit hits the spear on his back. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he's like, what the fuck? And he starts blocking it with that. Ends up pulling out the spear, and they have a sparring, or a, a fucking fight. Yeah, it's straight up. It's not a sparring match. Yeah. It's a fight. Yeah. Um, that goes out into the hallway and all over the place. Um, Mando, obviously, eventually gets the upper hand. Yeah, he, I think he knocks the Darksaber out of Moff Gideon's hand and basically stands over his body with the spear like, like directly at his throat. At his throat, yeah. And all I could think was, fucking do it. Yeah. Do it. Just kill him. Do it. Uh, cut to, they're still all looking uh, on the bridge. Bo-Katan's like searching for uh, different camera angles, everything, to look for Moff Gideon. As they're looking, uh, the main door for the bridge opens, and there's uh, Mando with his spear on his back, the Darksaber in his hand activated, and Moff Gideon in cuffs next to him with uh, Baby Yoda in his sack on his hip. Mm-hmm. And we see we see Bo Katan's look, and she immediately clocks this like, oh, shit. She doesn't say as much; it doesn't react too much. But we see just a, a glimmer of like, damn Fuck. it. And then uh, Moff Karga, or Moff Karga, Moff Gideon drop gets down onto his knees in front of Bo Katan, and Bo Katan's like, "What did you do?" And Mando is like, "What? I got the kid, and here's Moff Gideon. You said you wanted to kill him, and." We Bo-Katan doesn't say anything, but uh, I was going to say Grief Karga again. But Moff Gideon was like, no, that's that's not the thing. The thing is, is that she wanted to rule Mandalore. And the only way she could do that is by taking the Darksaber from me by force. So she had to take it from me in a fight. And you just did that. And Mando deactivates the Darksaber and is like, here, take it. I don't want it. It's fucking yours. Yeah, it's yours. And Moff Gideon's like, that's not how that's this not works. That's not how it works. <laughs> it has to be won in combat. And he's like, all right, fine. I yield. Like, take it. And he's like, no, no. That's not how it works. It has to be taken from you in a fight. No ifs, ands, or buts. You, you, can't, can't, you can't give it. You can't yield yep. to it. It's got to be an actual fight. And we see fucking just fight. fucking Bo-Katan just lost amongst her own thoughts. Like, what the fuck am I going to do? Like he's clearly a Mandalorian in his own right. He took right. it. It's not. It's not that it gives power. Like the dark saber doesn't give any power. It just like the story behind it, the way that you get it. Mm. That's what gives the power. And uh, he's like, "Well, fuck." And then about that time, you hear beeping, and oh no, we're about to be boarded. And they're like, "Okay, well, how many life signs?" And they're like, um, zero. Yeah. And he's like, oh, ha, 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 my, my dark troopers are back. Yes, and we see the dark troopers enter the main corridor area through, like, the deflector shields and everything. Uh, see them get up onto the Brit, or up in the hallways and stuff. We see them just lining every fucking hallway imaginable towards the bridge. And then we see, what is it, like, eight of them outside the door on the bridge. They close the blast doors. So there's, like, two sets of doors blocking them from total right. destruction. 
Um, uh, and we hear the dark troopers just. So well, as they're all lining the hallways and stuff, we see at that same instance we see Moff Gideon hide a gun underneath his. And cape. he's talking about um, how. Uh, Once they get in here, all like, hell is going to break. You're loose. all going to die, um, and the child will be back, be back in his hands, and everybody will be dead except for me. And you guys are fucked. Basically, give up because there's no way that you can possibly win. Yep. And uh, he's like, I I saw how much you struggled with one. Now imagine a whole fucking squadron. Like yep. you're fucked. There's nothing you can do. Yep. And about that time, you see an X-wing. Show up and they're like, "Oh, one X-wing! Oh, hooray! We're saved! Thanks, yep. New Republic! You guys are fucking great!" Now, did you immediately once you saw just the one X-wing? Did you at all think it was this person? Yes. So did I. The moment I saw just the one X-wing, percent. Because not only did you see the X-wing, granted it's in a fuzzy picture, but you also see like the dome of a uh, silver mech droid. Yeah. yeah. That looks silver, and I was like, I know who that is. Yeah. Uh, and then it was definitely confirmed the moment I seen the figure in a cloak. We don't see him. Right. We just see the him a figure in a cloak exiting from the X-Wing. I was like, yeah, my com- uh, my suspicions are true at this point. And then we see the figure with a green lightsaber. I was like, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. This is who I think it fucking is. That's exactly who it is. Um, but yeah, he uh, lands in the main uh, bay area where all the ships are. And then uh, just runs through every de- dark trooper that comes across him. And just we see the lightsaber bust out. It's green like it should be uh, from the, his lightsaber from uh, Return of the Jedi. And he's just laying waste to motherfuckers. Uh, we see him get on an elevator. We see the elevator get up. And in that meantime, as they're all talk- as everybody in the bridge is talking about how this one figure is taking out all these dark troopers with relative ease... We see Moff Gideon pop up with the gun that he was hiding, shoot it at one of uh, at Reeves, the Mandalorian Reeves. Mm-hmm. It hits her a few times. She knocks down. She doesn't die because we see her later on mm-hmm. standing up. But they end up taking or they knock a gun out and just concuss the shit out of well, Moff Gideon. He, uh, he also tries to shoot Grogu, but oh, that's right. Mando, Mando dives, dives in, in front, front of him, him. Um, and then Cara Dune. Walks up to him and basically takes the gun out of his hand. He's like, "Do it, kill me!" Or no, he puts he puts the gun up to yeah. His he's about to chin, put it yeah, and he's gonna fucking kill himself. And she's just like, "Bitch!" and fucking hits him with the butt of her gun, yeah, knocking his ass out. Yeah, he drops to the ground, and then at that same instance, we hear the elevator ding to the top floor where these dark troopers are. They stop pounding on the door, turn around. The elevator door opens, and it's very reminiscent of that scene from Rogue One or Darth Vader's at the other end of the hallway. But this this mm-hmm. instance, it's Luke fucking Skywalker at the other end of the hallway about to tear through Dark Troopers. We just see him fucking rip through them, slicing off arms, slicing through chests. At one point, he takes a Dark Trooper, hoists him in the air, and just crushes him with his hand. That's the last one. That's the last one, and then just tosses him to the side. He gets through all of them, stands on the other side of the door. They see the camera on the other side of the door. He's taken out every Dark Trooper. And then, uh, was it? I think Mando, Mando is like, open the door. And they're like, no, that is a supremely bad idea. We don't know who this guy is. And Mando's We don't like, know what he wants. We don't know anything. Like, why would we do that? And he's like, just do it. 
he walks up, just immediately hits the button, the doors open up, and out of the smoke from all the <laughs> the mass chaos, we see one character come out. He lowers his fucking uh, the hood of his cloak, and it's definitely Luke Skywalker, very young Luke Skywalker. Now let's pause. So the CGI, the 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 deep fake that's going on in this in this instant is not great. No, it's not. Uh, they do improve on it. It's and, o- it's okay. Yes, but they do improve on it in the book of Boba Fett. And you want to know why? Why? Because there was a graphic artist who had his own YouTube channel that was like, hey, this is how they could have done this better in the season two of Mandalorian. And he showcased how he was able to do it, alter it, and make the footage look a lot better. Well, someone at Lucasfilm saw that and offered him a job. And he became the, the, the deep fake guy, the CGI graphic artist that can able that is able to do it with relative ease. And he's working at Lucasfilm right now, oh. all because of that. And like I said, the ones in Book of Boba Fett are supremely better. Because this this because the Luke Skywalker we get in Book of Boba Fett, he can walk and everything and we don't see like the image jutting or some shit or just it doesn't look like weird. Mm-hmm. And here we see like the Luke Skywalker character move his hand or move his head and the deep fake kind of does like this jittery effect as yeah. it goes. So it does look a bit weird. The character lowers the hood. It says, I am Luke Skywalker. I'm here for the child, for Grogu. And we see Grogu on a nearby chair, look at him, look at back at Mandalorian, and then look back at Luke Skywalker. And Mando's like, look, this is the Jedi I was looking for. This is somebody that can help you learn. This is your people. Right, I don't, and I don't know what he's doing. And Luke tells him he's waiting for your permission. Yeah. Basically. And he's like, you know, this is this is the guy that can teach you. Like, if you want to go with him, that's fine. And uh, Grogu, like, reaches up to touch his helmet. And uh, Mando stops him and takes his helmet off and allows Grogu to actually touch his face. And you can see that he's crying. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Pedro stuff. Pascal, fucking phenomenal actor. Yeah. Even when he takes off his helmet... In the Imperial base, uh, there's a small little scene before all before they just run out of the base completely. We forgot to mention is that Biggs hand, or not Biggs, but uh, Miggs Mayfield hands him back the helmet. He's like, "You did what you had to do. I didn't see anything." Yeah, I didn't, gives him back. The I helmet. never saw your face. It's basically brilliant. Uh, but here is another instance where he has to take off the helmet, and, and we just see Pedro Pascal's face, and he's just like, "Look, I I fucking hate this, but you need to go with him. He could train you. He, he, you're gonna go be with your your people. That's what you should do." Uh, we see Baby Yoda like uh, basically take a small hand and run it down the side of Pedro's face as he's crying. He then hands the the child over to Luke. At that same instance, we see R two D two come well, out. Well, no, he he puts him down, and Grogu walks over to Luke. Oh, that's right. And that same instance, then we and see then, R2. And then he, yeah, R2 walk, or comes Rolls. up and beeps. And you know, he was like, oh, great. Another one of these fucking things. <laughs> yeah. That's just what we need. <laughs> hey, you don't have a stick, do you? I'm going to fucking zap your ass. You fucking best be active right, motherfucker. Like, I ain't playing this game. Mm-mm. Not today. <laughs> and he better fucking talk straight. Because if he talks in goddamn riddles, I'm going to fucking fuck him up. I don't give a shit. I'm going to electrocute the fuck out of him until <laughs> it fixes his speech impediment. <laughs> we ain't playing this game again, Luke. Mm-mm. Grow goo, go fuck yourself. 
Uh, but then Grogu like looks up at Luke and puts his arms up and is like, uh, "Uppies, <laughs> yeah, pretty much, uppies, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> new Sky Daddy." <laughs> Uh, pretty much. Uh, they all say their goodbyes. We see Luke and R2 leave with Grogu and everything. Uh, and then credits roll. And then well, a very slow version of the credits. And then we cut back to uh, Bib Fortuna on the throne in Jabba's palace. Or I guess it's Bib's palace at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just hear like commotion come out from behind the steps. Or the steps that everybody comes down to get into like this main area. And uh, out walks, what is it, Fennec Shand with Boba Fett. And uh, they take out everybody except for the slave that's chained up to the the dais that everybody's on. Uh, We see Fennec take out the the chain that the slave is attached to. She runs off. Or she stays there for a second. And then Fennec, like, nods to, like, get the fuck out of here. Go. And she fucks off. And then Boba comes in. And immediately Bib Fortuna is like, Boba, you're alive. I heard so much that you were fucking eaten by the Sarlacc pit. I don't know. And then before he can even finish, Boba, bam, square in the chest. Kills him. Bib Fortuna just slumps over in the chair. Uh, Boba gets up onto the main platform, basically pulls Bib from the chair, sits in it. Fennec grabs some sort of like bo- like drum of spotchka, I'm assuming. Uh, chews off the cap and then just sits on the arm of the chair with Boba like looking all fucking like proud and shit as the uh, camera cuts to black and it just says, The Book of Boba Fett. Uh, f- what is it like December 2021 or something mm. like that? Thus indicating our first series with Boba Fett and right. what happens and all that. What we'll be talking about next, next week. week. It is so Mandalorian season two, fucking fantastic uh, series. It came out in 2021. The new season doesn't come out until uh, I think February of 2023. I believe is when it first airs, and it looks to be fucking spellbinding with the amount of time that they took, especially with dealing with the COVID and everything. Uh, COVID protocols and all that and from rumors of what we're going to be getting in the series I think it's going to be a decently long series for season 3 I think we're going to get a lot of fucking yeah, details we're going to get a lot three. of content um, uh, so the Rotten Tomato score for the series is the critic score was 93 the audience score was 91% so did pretty well uh, I don't believe Boba Fett did that well. I think it's like in the 60 range for critics and then like 56 audience mm. score wise and I We'll get to that when we talk about Book of Boba Fett, but there are a few things that happen in that series, I have a feeling. I know one of the main reasons is that people don't like that we spend two episodes with The Mandalorian. I don't mind it. It's just not why I was there for The Book of Boba right. Fett. Which I understand. Like I would ding it maybe for like a star or maybe like one point if I were grading it on that type of scale, but we get more Mandalorian and what we get in those episodes is really fucking juicy details about what happened with Grogu. We get Luke Skywalker in those episodes. We get Ahsoka Tano in those episodes. There's a lot going on in those episodes. Um, And then there's a few other characters that pop up in the series that end up quote unquote dying. I don't think that's the last of those characters that are in that series just because of different clues that are going on around that character. Anyway, that is pretty much all I got for this week. That's pretty much all I've got. Uh, make sure to comment, rate, subscribe. Tell us what you think about uh, season two of The Mandalorian. I don't know why I said it like that. But I, I don't know. St- <laughs> I stick by it. Um, because this is the way. Yes. <laughs> right. So fuck you. Um, I have spoken. <laughs> I have spoken. Right. Um, yeah. 
Uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Nerdinian. You can follow me on both those platforms at that wanker. You can follow us on TikTok as well at Nerdinian. Um, and then uh, Ryan's got a thing. Yes, and you can uh, follow the ever-expanding exploits of my D&D group uh, every Saturday night. Um, we stream on Twitch at WolfDenDnd. W-O-L-F D-E-N I forgot for a second. <laughs> W-O-L-F D-E-N-D-N-D The letters D-N-D instead of like an ampersand because mm. you can't do right. ampersands in, in that stuff. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Friday nights we stream uh, we play Magic and we stream our Commander games so you can follow that as well if uh, that tickles your fans. <laughs> Um, and just remember, hope is like the sun. If you only believe in it when you can see it, then you'll never make it through the night. You're obviously not a golfer.